0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It a Strong
1: Style yo this is rich ladder from one nation radio this is brought to you by the social suplex podcast network we present to you the ace of podcast keeping it strong style let's go it's the ace of podcast keeping it strong style covering new japan they ready to hold it down jeremy donovan and the young boy josh come and hit a job out and bury all the frauds tokyo dome over to the g1 social suplex is a network where we can get it done i'ma chill and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dolvin here with the young boy, Josh Smith. And we are here with a bonus episode to break down, preview our fifth annual Keeping It Strong Style year-end awards. Young boy, how you doing, man?
0: I am doing as good as can be expected to be at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. (laughs) Actually, let's crack that back. 9.26 a.m. And, you know, I'm going to tell myself a little bit here. The the audience doesn't know this, but I was late. I was late. And it's partly because I let Jeremy decide that we were going to do this special at 9 a.m. My idea was to do it right after Thanksgiving. I was like, dude, let's do it after Thanksgiving. You know, we're going to be full of food. You know, I'll get some drinks. gonna be a great time and i feel like that was a lost opportunity now it's saturday morning nine in the morning and i had to debate with myself do i drink this coffee because i need you know the water in my system and i need the caffeine to wake me up or do i crack open a couple brewskis because i'm celebrating you know five years of the awards i i don't i didn't know what to do so that's why i put a bunch of alcohol in this coffee and uh no, I'm just playing. I didn't do
1: that. I <laughs> got one of those uh, coffee bear gimmicks to drink the the cream and sugar.
0: Oh, it's so good. Oh man, I found a I found an open mic Wednesday night that had a incredible coffee. Uh, something I don't know. Oh, I think it was a porter, but yeah, it was really good. But yeah, man, I'm I'm happy. I'm here. Um, it's dawned on me this morning that in order for me to fulfill my Uh, true calling in life I need to become a much better and proficient professional wrestler so I can wrestle on the Cerulean Blue mat because there's money to be made between me and Hiroshi Tanahashi because (laughs) I am listen (laughs) I'm the anti-Tanahashi you know how he's never tired Yeah, bro I'm always tired (laughs) I am I told myself I should try to live like him and just tell everyone I'm never tired, but it's not true. That's fucking Cap. I'm always tired. That's why I'm always drinking coffee.
1: But, bro, it it could be a gimmick. You don't have to let people know you're actually tired. You can work people to think that you are never tired.
0: Yeah, but a successful gimmick is yourself in real life just turned up to 11. And that's not me in real life ever. So I got to turn this aspect up if I really want to be successful (laughs) in this business. (laughs)
1: So, oh, Hiroshi man.
0: Tanahashi, if you're listening, we got a date in the future, son. You know, I'm coming for you. I'm going to hit you with that z driller.
1: You know, when we do the big uh, <laughs> New Japan social suplex crossover <laughs> show, you know, New Japan's working with everybody now for the 50th year. You know, Gato slid in the DMs that we're going to put on in a promotional show here.
0: I heard I heard that uh, Sai Dojo and New Japan Pro Wrestling might be doing a special, you know, special event here in the states (laughs) (laughs) they're putting their their star pupil joshua smith up against the ace Mm. yeah
1: saint Pete coliseum
0: uh no we're doing it at um the thomas morris rec center in the heart (laughs) of downtown st petersburg florida (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) tickets are seven dollars at the door they're five dollars if you buy them in advance ten dollars for vip and you get a hot dog and a coke with your ticket so i mean you can't really beat that hell of a deal yeah but the meet and greet to meet tanahashi is fifty dollars ahead of time
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you send directly to josh's paypal <laughs> how oh. are you doing today man I'm doing good, man. I'm up. I'm ready. I'm excited to talk about the awards. It's award season. You know, yesterday I listened back to last year's episode just to kind of remember how we, we do, do that this. Every
0: year, and I never do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did we do last year with Rich? We did. We did, and that was the la- the year where we were like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. We got to get him off <laughs> this shit.
1: Uh, it it was him burying evil and lij for three hours
0: (laughs) that was a pretty funny show
1: yeah it was
0: well guys uh you're in luck it's just gonna be me and jeremy today which that's the og crew and you know this was my idea anyways every good thing that happens in the show is my idea all the bad stuff that's jeremy shit but you know doing this annual awards that's all me
1: josh is gato i am dick togo (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh man no yeah i'm Inoki, and you're uh simon Inoki. <laughs> no i'm just playing but uh yeah we got quite the list of awards and you know to be honest i don't know how you wanted to start this off are we are we going in hot from the top or are we gonna work our way back from the you know, From the back, I don't know what you want to do I think
1: we've got to start off hot with the, the number one category But uh, first, just how, let everybody know how this works So voting is open right now If you're listening to this, the links are out for vote, voting I made an easy short link for you guys to go to If you go to bit.ly slash kissawards21 That's the link to the Google form You can also find it on our Twitter, on our Discord Voting is open now Our voting period, so the this voting period covers November 14th 2020 to november 12 2021 so if you're asking hey wait wait what about best of super juniors and world tag league well last year's Best of Super juniors and world tag leagues are eligible for this year's award the current tour going on right now world tag league but super junior will be eligible for the 2022 awards yes
0: and for example if you're asking about um like let's say battle in the valley And when Jonah Rock or Jonah attacked uh, Juice Robinson, that could hypothetically be a very good angle of the year candidate, just not for this year. That's going to go on the 2022 awards because it fell into that grading period. Um, Or for those of you that really liked Hiromu and uh, Desperado from Super Juniors this year, next year's awards. Um, So, yeah, same thing with Excursion Match of the Year's, anything that fell. Inside that, you know, the 13th of November. From that point on, we're talking next year. Uh, Last thing, taped shows. We've got uh, New Japan Strong. They're obviously doing shows that are getting taped before the grading period but haven't yet aired. And that's where we're going to basically err on the side of caution and say because we haven't seen it. And only the few, you know, hundreds, maybe thousand people that were actually at the show saw it already those are going to become eligible once they are broadcast worldwide. At that point, so if anything that, that took place within our grading period but doesn't get broadcast till this year's grading period, that stuff's not gonna qualify either.
1: Right. And you have uh three votes for each category is the first place, second place, and third place vote. First place is worth three points, second place is worth two points, and the third place is worth one point. So you vote for that in each category of voting will close on December 19th at eleven fifty nine PM Eastern time. So get your votes in by then we'll announce the winners on the December 22nd episode of keeping it strong style.
0: Yeah. And keep in mind too guys, uh, when you're voting those two points, that one point, you might think that your second and third place votes are arbitrary Very often, that's not the case. Those are the things that can really put a match or uh, a candidacy over the top to, to win a particular category's award. So, you know, really put some time, thought, and effort into this. Me and Jeremy have painstakingly cultivated these awards for you guys every single year, five years. This is the first year where we haven't added any categories, but I feel like the awards we do are... Super exhaustive, and uh, in a certain sense, this was maybe both the hardest and easiest year because it felt easier to actually pick out the winners than it has been, or pick out the uh, the nominees than it has been in the past. But because we weren't keeping up with these awards throughout the year, it was also harder to kind of like go through and recall exactly what we needed to have done. But when it was all said and done we created an incredible list of nominees we're going to be very pleased and happy to go over them with you guys and the two things we ask is that once you've heard this and you've listened to it you go out you vote but then we're also going to ask that you share this inside your wrestling groups with your wrestling friends in group chats in in facebook groups on reddits you know on twitter and you know anywhere that you can think of it's the one thing we ask annually because these are your awards we're not going to alter or change anything based on what you guys vote we set up the nominees from that point it's in your hands as to who wins these awards and we want this these awards to be considered exhaustive and authoritative so you know that can only happen if a lot of people are getting involved with them so that's where you
1: come into play right and if you see our links know share them retweet them upvote them wherever you see and they're all over the place uh comment and like yeah let everybody know every year we've had we've increased the number of voters in this and we want to keep doing that especially this year so vote yeah and i'm I'm, I'm, worried
0: i'm worried because like the product is kind of viewed in a quote unquote down period although going into 2022 things are looking up so i'm very excited and optimistic but you know i'm worried like Is the myth true? Are there less people watching? Are there, you know, are we going to get less votes for the first time ever? I don't know. But I'm hoping that's not the case because I feel like our listenership has gone nothing but up over the years, even now.
1: Right, yeah. We've had a a steady growth in listenership, even in in the down period. So if you're listening, please, it doesn't take long, fill out the form, download. Uh, Don't worry about putting your email in there. We're not going to spam you. That's just for collect the data, make sure only one person's voting and we'll only email you about award-related stuff. So don't have to worry about being spanned with your email.
0: That sounds like the kind of shit Jeff Bezos says to somebody before they, uh, <laughs> in the early days of Amazon, oh, don't worry, just give it to us 15 years later. All right, so we're selling all your data.
1: <laughs> I, I'm not going to sell your email or your, your ballot. So get all that in. Share it. Let's get a ton of votes once again for this awards, but. Let's let's jump into this thing, man. Let's start with the, the number one award now, here.
0: <laughs> one more thing before you announce the nominees, F- for people that are listening, we try to do two things if uh, if at all possible with these award nominees, we try to go alphabetically, typically by last name if possible, and we try to go chronologically, especially in terms of like shows and matches of the year. So if you're wondering like why certain things are ordered a certain way, that's usually the rhyme or reason behind it.
1: Right. So let's start with the Antonio Inoki Wrestler of the Year Award. And we'll start with the nominees here. So first off, we have Jeff Cobb. Then we have Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. The Stone Pit Bull, Tomohiro Ishii. The Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. The Assassin, Will Ospreay. Zack Sabre Jr. The current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, the Dragon, Shingo Takagi. And then, last but not least, the ace Hiroshi tanahashi
0: yeah, so um we've got a great list of candidates here. you know, there are some notable names that are not included that you know you might be wondering, you know who aren't here, and we, we won't go into great detail, but if they weren't nominated, it's because we didn't feel that their list of accomplishments within this grading period matched up to. The men that we have listed here. And that's why you don't see Naito, you don't see Jay White, Suzuki, some of the names that you would typically, you know, traditionally expect to see here.
1: Right. Uh, Tatsuya Naito was our 2020, 2020 Antonio Inoki of the Year winner. Uh, so, yeah, big, big kind of a kind of an upset there for him not being here. But like you mentioned, you know, in, within this grading period, Naito just didn't do enough to get on the bow with these gentlemen
0: yeah but we've got uh some new names here i mean jeff cobb i think this is the first time he's ever been nominated for this award so big year for him uh zach saber jr he's been on the ballot before but uh if i'm just going based off memory i think the last time he was on this ballot was when he won the new japan cup in 2018 um 17 18 you know so it's been quite a few years and then you know uh the rest of the list are guys you kind of would expect but um You know, some of them have more serious shots at winning this year than they have in the past. So, kind of a changing of the guard. Uh, We can go real quick through each guy. And uh, I don't know if you want to take a person, and I'll take a person. We'll just go one by one. Yeah, however you want to do
1: it. Yeah, you can start.
0: Yeah, so let's start with Jeff Cobb. I mean, Jeff Cobb had an incredible year this year, uh, extremely dominant when it comes to wins and losses. His tag team with um, Great Okan, they were extremely successful in the World Tag League in the early part of the year. And then just all throughout the year, I mean, they suffered very, very few defeats. When they did, very few times was it actually Jeff Cobb even eating any losses. So he kind of came off as like this dominant monster throughout the year. And then uh, you take a look at like how he performed um, after joining United Empire and then his feud with Kazushika Okada. He beat Kazushka Okada. Um, just prior to going into the G1, so that was you know a huge, huge, huge change in the guard type of win for him, and then going into the actual G1, he uh was the first ever man, not just Gaijin, but man to go nine and O through the field undefeated. Or actually, I'm sorry, was it eight and Yeah, eight and eight and O through the field going into the finals uh for the B block with Okada. Um, he lost Okada, but that still made him uh, basically secure his place in history as the first ever talent in that tournament's history to have an eight and and0 record. And then, if you also combine that with like his wins from the year before, I mean, he's had an incredible role when it comes to G1. Plus, he had incredible matches this year with the likes of like you know Kota Ibushi and you know Shingo Takagi and. You know, he just really has been on an incredible tear when it comes to in-ring performance, even his new persona. And for that that reason, he's got to be one of the leading contenders for Antonio Inoki Wrestler of the Year.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, no, I can remember us talking about Cobb when he first kind of came in as a baby face. He was kind of in Han feeding with Goto, and we're like, "Man, there's just something missing from him. Like, there's he's not quite you know there all the way." And then, you know. He turns heel, joins United Empire, the more vicious, aggressive side of him comes out, and now he's put everything together, and yeah, definitely definitely deserves to be on this list here.
0: Okay, cool. Well, the next one, I guess we'll just do th- through this format. So we got Kota Ibushi, the golden star uh incredible year. This is one where um people are, I think are going to be a little bit mixed because he did ha- suffer from s- some inactivity due to uh the respiratory pneumonia that he or aspiration yeah, pneumonia aspiration that he pneumonia. suffered. And then uh you know the tragic finals of the uh G1 where he had that shoulder injury and was forced to you know bow out early due to injury during the match. But I mean, if you really look at just the kayfabe aspect of it, plus his in-ring performance, I mean, very few people could really argue against Kotobushi's accomplishments. I mean, he won the title for the first time ever uh, in the Dome on January 4th, and then turned around and defended it on January 5th uh, in two of the top matches of the year against two of his toughest opponents in Naito and Jay White. From that point on, as the double champion, he went... On to have multiple successful, you know, um, defenses against Sonata and Desperado and Naito. And then he became the first ever IWGP world heavyweight champion, had an incredible defense against Will Ospreay where he dropped the, the strap, and then you know, went on to have a series of great matches throughout the year, goes into the G1 after you know suffering that aspiration pneumonia, uh, had great matches throughout the year with Jeff Cobb, Tanahashi. Had a successful G1, goes to the finals of the G1 for the fourth year in a row, which is a first ever in history, and then, you know, he suffered the injury, so that's kind of where things end for him at that point. So, Abushi definitely had some low points in the year, dropping the bell, you know, plus uh, I feel like some people um, associate the all the mishaps with the title booking and attribute that to him, whereas... It was very clear this was a guy who was doing everything in his power to still perform at a super high level in spite of the weird booking situations, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely, and you, you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, people are going to think about the inactivity, the, the injuries, the illness when they're thinking about, you know, why is Abushi on here? But like you mentioned, from a K-Pay perspective, like, incredible year. Like, finally wins the IWGP title, becomes, becomes a double champion Becomes the first world heavyweight champion. You know, they're really trying to rebrand and kind of start like a new generation. And he was kind of the first guy they chose. You know, a guy who they never really went with before. And they were giving him the, the full on, you know, strap the rocket to the back, push to the moon. Uh, wins that world title. Also, he, he loses it pretty quickly to He was Osprey. God. Yeah. He he finally became <laughs> what he, he said he wanted to become uh, a god. But, yeah, quickly comes crashing back to reality, losing to Osprey. Uh, but still had some great matches, you know, had great matches with, uh, like you mentioned, with Jeff Cobb. Um, and then he goes into the G1. He returned from, you know, Aspiration pneumonia from the G1. And also, it wasn't his strongest G1. He's been in several that were better. But still, he was one of the top performers uh, in his block. And then, like you mentioned, hitting that fourth uh, parent in a row. And him and Okada were on pace to have probably an all-time great final until that um, nasty landing on the Phoenix Splash. Um, so, you know, tough, tough break for Ibushi there, but overall kayfabe wise and the, the match he put out great year for Ibushi.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends with him on what kind of grading criteria you're really going by. If you're just going by in ring quality and accomplishments, he's got an incredible argument to be potentially the wrestler of the year, especially through the first quarter of the year. But, um, you know, if, if you're taking into consideration outside factors, you know, other things like, you know, those intangibles, drawing, stuff like that. I mean, there might be some, uh, you know, detractors against his, uh, you know, candidacy. And that's the nice thing with Wrestle of the year. We've never put parameters as to say, like, this is strictly, you know, just based on in-ring or this is just based on – um You know, the kayfabe aspects or the business aspects, we kind of leave it up to the voters to decide for themselves what this award even is. Exactly. Well, next, uh, that's going to bring us to the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii. Um, Ishii is one of the guys where, like, he might not have had what you would consider a classically good year in terms of, uh, you know, maybe some of these higher accolades like some of the other guys. uh, But. He still found a way to make it onto the ballot because when you look at the run of tag team matches that the Never Six Man Chaos Tag Team Trio had and his involvement with all of those matches, but then kind of extend that out to the many random singles battles that he just happened to have throughout the year in conjunction with the feuds that were going on with the Never Six Men, like his matches with like Yuji Nagata uh that's one that really comes to mind. And then you also look at his G1 that he had, and you look at those matches, plus some of the like ones that he had with uh on the alternate nights with like Hiromu Takahashi and then kind of couple that with what he was doing in the States, wrestling guys like Moose, his ongoing feud on and off throughout the year with Jay White, which produced several classics, plus his world tag or uh yeah, his World Tag League run from earlier in the year. I mean, the the one thing with Tomohiro Ishii is just he was super consistent at a super high level all year, even if he wasn't involved directly in a lot of title pictures. But he finished the year out super strong. Oh, wait, you know, that doesn't count for the, for the grading period. But um, still had a really, really, really strong year, even if he didn't necessarily hold a lot of singles gold or right. get a lot of singles title shots. Ishii – Probably had just as many great matches as anyone else on this list, and for that reason, it's hard to kind of deny his uh, his spot on this ballot.
1: Right, if you're one of those voters who you know your main thing is like in ring performance, like Ishii is definitely gonna be one of those guys you have to take a look at. You know, pull up his cage match, look back at his year, and you mentioned several of his great matches. Also, you know, the G1 opening day with him and Shingo. Uh, a match of the year contender, lots of, of bangers throughout the year, and he, like you mentioned, Ishi is just super consistent, and is just an incredibly great worker, and he just goes so hard at a high pace all year long. Never takes a night off, and you know that, that had that incredible 454 day reign as never six man champs, him, Goto, and Yoshihashi, and several. Um, bangers with those matches, you know, main eventing several row two shows and being featured on some of the big shows throughout the year. He was, you know, the the ace of that team as far as in ring performance goes. So, yeah, great year for Ishii, and definitely you should consider him when you, you know, pull up his cage match, like I said, and look at some of the bangers he had this year.
0: Great. So that's going to bring us to our next candidate. We've got the Rainmaker Kazushika Okada, and uh Okada's an interesting one because. He's wrestled maybe uh, more major, like um, main events throughout the year than anyone else who wasn't a world champion. But throughout the year, he did not hold any uh, significant singles gold. You know, uh, I've always kind of made the joke that Okada, sort of like New Japan's modern era Hulk Hogan, like he's never going to hold the intercontinental title it's it's world title or bust when it comes to
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but i mean when you look at his year it's hard to deny the amount of major feuds and um spotlight matches that were given to him i mean he started off the year with the feud with uh, united empire and will osprey in just what can be described as a wrestle kingdom classic um from that point on he moved on to other feuds with uh new japan cup he had that incredible match with shingo where he actually lost in the first round um which kind of spoiled his shot at the double gold or the the world title i should say um he went on to headline in the dome for the uh world title against shingo once again later on at wrestle grand slam he lost that so he did have two big losses to shingo but um in the G1, he was fantastic. It kind of felt like the resurgence of, you know, the Rainmaker. Uh, the match with uh, Hir- Hiroshi Tanahashi on Night 2 really stands out as one of the higher matches that he had in that tournament. And just all throughout the year, classic, classic matches, uh, especially the feud with Jeff Cobb, that's another thing that really stands out, his trio of matches that they had. And uh, going through the, the uh, G1, Finally, winning it again after seven years being on the outside and being positioned to headline the dome and really be a, a figurehead going into that Noah feud kind of seems like he's regained a sense of that Rainmaker character and he's kind of resurgent and, and almost a throwback to himself once again, you know?
1: Right, exactly. And that's kind of been that was the whole story of his G1, you know, the Rainmaker being back and using the Rainmaker to win matches and only using one, you know, back in the day he would, you know, do three, four, five, six Rainmakers to finally win, but he, after this layoff of using it and using the money clip and, you know, now he's back to using it, it's only taking one Rainmaker to put people away, or the Rainmaker, and that's kind of, that was the theme of G1, but almost the theme of the whole year, like you mentioned, him just kind of coming back to prominence, starting off hot, the big win over Osprey in the Tokyo Dome, and just kind of riding that momentum into the year, uh, several big opportunities Obviously ate some big losses to the Shingo, New Japan Cup, and the, the World title match at Wrestle Grand Slam But overall, again, you know, another In-ring before match quality, I'll see A guy, this is a very well-rounded guy, he's a guy That draws, you know, you put him in there, you know He's gonna you know, draw a house, you know He's a great performer um, Obviously we don't speak Japanese, but based Off his promos, seems like he's A good promo, and he, he's a Well-rounded, he's the ace, and Obviously, as long as he's wrestling he's probably going to be a nominee on this award
0: well you know what they say if it's not broken don't fix it but very clearly it was broken and he in kayfabe has gone back and retooled and refined that uh rainmaker and it is fixed now so yeah you know it's they've kind of rehabbed that that maneuver and uh brought him back to the dance as they say
1: yeah so uh, next we have the assassin, the leader of the United Empire, Will Ospreay. So this has been, I would say, a breakout year for Will. You know, we saw the formation of the United Empire towards the end of last year, but really kicked into gear this year uh, with the full crew of Jeff Cobb and Great Ocon and Aaron Hanare. Uh, Osprey started off hot with the feud of Okada in the Dome and then going on into New Japan Cup. Uh, having some great matches in there, obviously the match with Saber was uh, one of the greats in that in the early part of the tournament, and then coming down to the finals with him and Shingo and, and a great match leading to the rematch at uh, Don'taku. And over, I, I skipped over here. Well, actually, that comes after New Bank Cup, yeah. So they have the New Bank Cup, he wins, and then he faces Abushi at Secure Genesis and kind of pulls a big upset. You know, Abushi dropping the world title to Osprey pretty much right after he gets the new title, and then. uh Uh, Osprey goes off to face Shingo at Dontaku, Which is a classic match One of the top matches of the year Then obviously he drops the title Due to neck injury There's the whole Gaijin unrest stuff But then he makes the the big Return at Resurgence Claiming to be the real world Champion and then he's just been having uh, A string of great matches On Strong and they've started this whole Empire LA Dojo feud
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's other things too um, that you could also touch upon. I mean, his run through the New Japan Cup and some of the classic matches that he had in there, not just including the Shingo match, but I mean, he he really pulled a lot of guys up to a higher level, including like Dave Finley. That was another match that like you think about, it kind of stands out. Uh, You talked about the Tenkoji feud. I mean, the uh, amount of... Greatness that he brought out of an older Kojima in that, you know, street fight slash, you know, basically ladder match (laughs) (laughs) was, you know, that was something, something really, really special. And it's not even just the amount of great matches that he had because he always has those. But we saw him finally turn in last year's G1, which is right on the cusp of the grading period. But we finally got to see that play out in a major way. Here during the, the early parts of this year, where he really came into his own as a stable leader, as a world title contender, and then ultimately as the first ever British IWGP World Champion. Um, so those are kind of the things that stand out. You know, I would say if if we had just capped these awards to the first quarter, it's really a death match between him and Shingo at that point. Um, obviously, once he got injured. Things changed a bit, and his activity in New Japan uh, went down a little bit. But if you're looking at um, what he did in the States, um, and then, by extension, the run that he's been on in Rev Pro and on some of the indies, and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to Excursion Match of the Year, this guy's been on a tear in Rev Pro, in OTT, in House of Glory, in New Japan Strong, you know, um, He's really had a a truly fantastic Year even if it hasn't been as apparent Because he's not wrestling on Dominion and he's not wrestling in the G1 That sort of thing
1: Right. Well let's move to the next guy Zach Sabre Jr One half of the IWGP World Tag Team Champions With Tai Chi Dangerous Checkers. So obviously Dangerous Techers Big focal point in the tag division This year one of the top teams But Zach has had a lot of great uh, Single stuff as well this year uh, also, we talked about the New Japan Cup match with Will Ospreay. It's an incredible match. They have amazing chemistry anytime those guys wrestle. And then, also Zach Sabre had a kind of a breakout G1. You know, He tapped out the top of the A block, he taps out Naito and Shingo and Ibushi. Uh, people were really rallying behind Zach this year, wanted him to win the G1. Uh, got a world tile shot right at the end of the voting period against um, Shingo Takagi and another. Great matchup, and then I'll see at the G1 finals the the big exhibition match with Katsuyori Shibata, which is a huge surprise. And for five minutes, people love that match, and it's super high on Cage Match. And yeah, Zach had a great year.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you kind of consider everything that the Dangerous Techers were doing, and then what he was accomplishing outside of Dangerous Techers, and you kind of combine those, you got a similar situation to Ishii, where you sort of have to consider... Uh, not just his single stuff, but the, you know, the sums of all the parts of of his uh, activity throughout the year. And I mean, Dangerous Techers, in terms of just, you know, if you're excluding the never six-man tag team championship run of the Chaos Trio, they're absolutely at the tip top of the tag teams. I mean, when you look at what they did in World Tag League, coming out of World Tag League, the feuds they had with G.O.D., the feuds they had with... uh, um, Sonata and Naito, Naito and then also the, the matches they had with Goto and Yoshihashi. Uh, they, they were really like tearing it up this year in terms of tag action, like just totally dominant, regained, lost and regained, and lost and regained the title several times throughout the year. And in many classic tag team matches, we'll go over that during Tag Team Match of the Year, but then. You look at his like New Japan Cup run and the the match he had with Gabriel Kidd, the match he Mm. had with Will Ospreay, which that was like a early match of the year contender and, you know, could even potentially win match of the year. That's how good that was. And then beyond that, looking at his G1 where it was – he was resurgent and he was beating the top of – what was that? B block? A block? A block. Yeah, the top of the A block. Like he was running through everybody. And then that special moment with Shibata, I mean – Zack has really had an incredible year, and I feel like people maybe didn't give him as much credit, but when you're looking at it as a totality, you're like, holy shit, plus the Shingo series, and then closing out the year with that, that really incredible power struggle match. Um, yeah, he's got a really, really good candidacy. Like, I feel like he's got a stronger argument in 2021 for being wrestler of the year than he did when he won the New Japan Cup.
1: Yeah, I was about to say that. I absolutely agree. Like this incredible in-ring year and a lot of focus, and then yeah, especially that that Shingo feud. I think really kind of pushed him over the top there in a great way. And his uh, eligibility with that match at Power Struggle. Great. Well, next we've got the IWGP
0: World Heavyweight Champion Shingo Takagi. He was the third man this year to win the IWGP. World heavyweight title. Um, he failed in his first attempt to win it when he uh, wrestled uh... Osprey. Yeah, I'm trying to. Okay, that's right. He got a title shot against Osprey in the rematch. Correct.
1: Right. He was... so he lost Osprey at the New Japan New Japan Cup finals, and then he came out and challenged Osprey after him and Okada walked out, and he got the first shot.
0: Where did they wrestle? Was that Kazuna Road or Dantaku?
1: Dontaku Night 2.
0: Okay, Dantaku Night 2. So yeah, he, he failed to win the title in his first attempt to win it, but then um, ended up facing off with Kazuchika Okada for the second time in this year. Um, during Wrestle Grand Slam, he upset everyone who thought that it was, you know, LOL, Okada wins. Shingo finally wins the belt as an outsider, A guy who started in this company as a junior heavyweight, a power junior, decimated that entire division, (laughs) came into the heavyweights and, you know, people were saying he was just going to be a never guy and, you know, kind of bucked above that trend, Uh, you know, and maybe some of it was fortuitous just based on sickness and COVID and Gaijin unrest. And it might've taken a lot of outside factors (laughs) to (laughs) decide to go with this guy, (laughs) Um, But, I mean, if you look at his year, uh, you go on Cage Match, and not everything should just strictly be based on Cage Match, but if you go on Cage Match and you look at the top matches in New Japan from this calendar year, of the top 16 matches that are there, Shingo's got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of the top 16 rated matches. They're all his. Throughout the year, he's got 17 of the top 100 matches. So you can see he, he trended extremely high. I think that's more than anyone else that's on this list. And then when you look at his accolades, you know, he probably had the run, singular, the MVP run of the New Japan Cup, even though he lost in the finals. I mean, he was the guy who had more great and important matches than anyone else in that tournament. He beat Okada twice this year, which is like no easy task. He had an absolute banger with Jeff Cobb at Wrestle Kingdom, shown super bright on one of the brightest stages. And then goes in the G1 and probably has the MVP run of the G1 as well, even though he didn't win that. And you know, successfully defended his uh, world title all throughout the year. Ended the year as the champion. Many people never th- thought that we'd live in a world where. He would headline the Tokyo Dome against the Ace, but that's exact, or you know, against uh, the Rainmaker. But that's exactly what's going on. Plus, his series of matches with uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi earlier in the year—that can't be denied. I mean, I I don't want to say that there are favorites, but it's going to be tough for anybody to overcome the uh, quality of work that Shingo Takagi has laid out this year.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, you you want to talk about a well-rounded guy Shingo has the matches He has the feuds He has the promos He has the accolades Like this guy literally has it all Absolutely killing it You know, I remember when he first came in And we we were getting questions You know, will Shingo ever be an IWGP champion? Will he ever be a main eventer? Will he be stuck in the, you know, the never mid-card division? And at the time, I was like I felt like, yeah, they're, they're they're kind of making him the new Goto. He'll have great matches. He'll be in that upper never division. Maybe he'll get a title shot, but he won't win it. But he mentioned, obviously, the circumstances happen. But, I mean, I'm super glad that they went with Shingo, gave him a shot. He's been super consistent, a great world champion, great tile defenses. He's been the highlight of New Japan during the pandemic era and just one of the, the top focal stars that have really broken out this year. And, yeah, I mean, he has a super strong case. And also, we don't want to sway the votes and tell you who to vote for. But it's hard not to give Shingo one of your three votes, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So that's going to bring us to our final nominee for Wrestler of the Year. As you can see, we kept the field a little smaller than some of these other categories. Uh, But this is who we thought was most deserving. So uh, next up, we have the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and um, this is another case of someone who had a sneakily good year. Um, while he definitely suffered some losses in major spots, if there was anybody that you wanted to count, out, uh, count on in a pitch to really go out there and deliver and kind of carry a card or carry the company in, in some trying times, which this company definitely had some, Tanahashi's your guy. And, I mean, you look at the the accolades, and he's right there. I mean, Tanahashi, he had a U.S. title run this year. He had a never title run. Two titles that I didn't think I would ever see Hiroshi Tanahashi carry. <laughs> <laughs> um, he carried both of them. And, you know, there's definitely some debate as to what belt is the new white belt. Well, I don't know which one's which, but Tanahashi carried both of them, okay? <laughs> um, and then... Again, like I'd mentioned with Shingo, he had a series of matches with Shingo, which are it, both matches are rated in the top five of cage matches, highest rated matches. You kind of combine that with a successful G1 run, um, the match he had with Lance Archer in the U.S., which was very, very, very good, and kind of had that crossover AEW appeal. And he is the defending New Japan guy and takes the the belt back for the company. Um, the match with Okada, which was just a throwback to their feud. And then you know he beat Jay White for for the NEVER title. He had good matches with Kenta, good matches with Abushi, Jeff Cobb, all all sorts of guys, just up and down the card. Like he was very very consistent. He was another guy who was a lot like Okada. He didn't hold the top title throughout the year, but he was counted on in many big spots to headline shows and to he- you know co-headline shows, and really just got there and make a difference. And. Yeah, Tanahashi just he fucking ruled this year.
1: Yeah, man. A lot of people might think uh, it's the ace. You know, he's he's old, he's broken down. But again, he's another guy. Pull up the cage match. Look at his. Pull up the grapple. Whatever you look at. Look at his. Look at the matches he's had this year. Like you mentioned, they counted on him a lot. That big main event in the early part of the year, New Beginning in Nagoya against Shingo for the NEVER title. Incredible matchup. And he just who's counted on these main event positions. Like you mentioned, resurgence, the U.S. title match against Lance Archer. The, the match with Shingo at Wrestle Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome for the world title. Like they keep putting Shin, or they keep putting Tanahashi in these big main event spots. They needed somebody who could draw, who could have good matches. Tanahashi was there. Um, end of the year, the power struggle match with Kenta. Honestly, he dropped the belt there, but that was still a great matchup. So all up and down the year, Tanahashi's um, you know resume just littered with great matches, great accomplishments. Like you mentioned, never title run, US title run he was right up there. You know, people might compare, well, why Tanahashi over a Naito? But, I mean, I just feel like Tanahashi was put in um, higher profile positions over the year than Naito was.
0: I I would agree with that. Plus, I think Naito missing the G1 was one of the biggest detractions. Um, And then his kind of being relegated for a good portion of the period of the year to the— Tag Team Division didn't really help his case. Plus, some of the lackluster tournaments like the New Japan Cup, he didn't really do much. I mean, yeah, that's kind of some of the reason why we had to keep out Naito. We had to keep out Sonata. We had to keep out Evil. We had to keep out J White. J White. There was just there's quite a few guys that have big names, and in other years probably would have gotten in, but just didn't have the resume this year to be part of these top eight there as you notice there's no juniors either
1: right in the past we've had had guys get on there with their incredible work in the junior division but yeah this year just just the heavyweights
0: well that is gonna be that's gonna do it for the antonio noki wrestler of the year that's the first part of the big three we're gonna jump straight into the second part of the big three and we've got uh, numerous big matches here uh, to nominate Um, we're gonna start off the year with El Desperado versus Hiromu Takahashi. And I think we'll... I'll I'll try to be as brief as possible on these, but, you know, this was a huge uh, main event in Sumo Hall between Desperado and Hiromu Takahashi, a match that many people said wouldn't draw in that kind of environment, and it definitely drew... It also drew upon all the rich history between these two going back to, you know, even their young lion days but you know beyond that the heated matches that they've had in these tournaments and over this title in the past and it all kind of culminated in the very very famous mask incident where desperado's mask was taken off and he continued to fight through the crowd went crazy and um you know this was in this grading period the very first truly great match of the year um many people called it last year's match of the year. So um, with that being the case, Desperado versus Roma Takahashi, that's your first uh, recommended match of the year.
1: Yeah, great matchup. So next we have Jeff Cobb versus Shingo Takagi from Wrestle Kingdom 15 for the never openweight title. And, you know, this was your strong style fight, hard hitting, intense, uh, brutal. These guys beat the crap out of each other. Jeff Cobb showed his power in throwing Shingo around. Shingo, you know, being that valiant underdog babyface and continuing to fight up into, in some instances, match uh, strength of Jeff Cobb and working really hard to get Cobb off of his feet. Uh, this is a match that uh, tons of people have as their top match of the year. People, this match, a lot of people said it stole the show, Wrestle Kingdom weekend, and people absolutely love this. And this was kind of a breakout moment for Cobb, and it's a great. Performance from Shingo as well, and r- really just another thing that highlighted and kind of elevated the Never title.
0: Yep. So the next match we have Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay, Wrestle Kingdom 15. And this was, you know, the first really big match between Okada and Will post Will, you know, defecting from chaos and uh, creating the United Empire, and really had a teacher versus student sort of uh, element to it. Plus, Uh, you know, Will Ospreay had never quote-unquote beat Okada. Yes, he'd beaten him in the G1, but that was due to, uh, you know, outside distractions, cheating, and everything like that. He hasn't, at this point, been able to beat Okada, especially not in the Tokyo Dome on the main big stage. So, that story was kind of at play here, and these guys went out there, and they just, they had a banger. They had a really, really great match, Um, much like the Cobb Shingo match. Many people said that this match Also stole the show and was the match of the two-night event. Uh, That's for you guys to determine. But Okada Osprey, really, really great classic match. And even set up a future match between these two, which we might see play out on night two of this year's Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Right. And so our next match also comes from Wrestle Kingdom 15. And it is the main event from night one. It is the Golden Star Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito for the double titles. Also, you know Abushi, he was the first man to lose to briefcase to Jay White, but you know Naito felt sorry for him, really wanted him to give him a shot here, and so. Oh man, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Abushi still got his title shot against Naito in the main event of the Dome, and he finally does it. He he wins the big one here in a great match. We all know the history between Naito and Abushi. And just the kind of danger and intrigue that their matches bring with, with the head drops and kind of crazy spots. And this one uh, was no different. Another great matchup here in this feud with Ibushi uh, winning and going on the night, two.
0: Yeah. And um, that's going to also lead into the night two main event. Kota Ibushi versus Jay White, uh, much in the same way this was one of the top matches of Wrestle Kingdom. And this is kind of what we were talking about when we were talking about the accolades of Ibushi as a Wrestler of the Year candidate. Um, I feel like because these matches were like so long ago, they're almost a little bit forgotten about. But I mean, extremely, extremely high rated. I mean, I thought this Jay White match was maybe... The best Kotobushi Jay White match, and they've had a series of really great matches in the past. Uh, I don't think it's far off, or maybe even might be on the exact same playing level as the uh, G1 final that they had from a year or two ago, that was also really outstanding. And, you know, Jay White has beaten Kotobushi in the Dome before, so, you know. J- not only does Kodobushi need to successfully defend these titles on the big stage, but do it against one of the guys that he's had the most problems with. Uh you know, like you mentioned, he even lost the briefcase to this guy. <laughs> yeah. So um they went out there, they tore the house down, and you know, just really set the bar super high going into the rest of the year.
1: Yeah. So up next we have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Shingo Takagi for the never title from New Beginning in Nagoya. I absolutely love this match. This match got me so fired up. I wrote a column uh, about the show and about that match. And, you know, it was the never title, but it was like the classic New Japan style main event with the Ace, Tanahashi, and Shingo. Uh, So you had that classic main event style, the hard-hitting style of Shingo, that Dragon Gate's pace, all kind of mixed into one. And just absolutely incredible spots and near falls and reversals and... You know, Shingo had just been on such a hot run with the Never Title at this point. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like, you really don't see a guy like Tanahashi win the Never Title. So a, a lot of people thought, including myself, oh, Shingo, uh, a great for Shingo, he's going to move on, get a big win over the ace. But Tanahashi, you know, olds on top, pulls the big upset here, and wins the Never Title.
0: You know, the funny thing is, I remembered that Tanahashi held the never title this year, but I was trying to remember who he even beat for it. Because in my mind, I didn't remember him beating Shingo here, but I guess he did. Didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the next match, uh, we got Will Osprey versus Zach Sabre jr. From the new Japan cup. And boy, oh boy, was this match great. Uh, it really showcased the talents of both men, not just will, not just a styles clash in the sense of will being a high flyer and Zach being a, a technical master, but, really showed both guys go pulling out all their bags of tricks and showcasing that they're more than just one trick ponies and in my opinion was probably the best Osprey Sabre match ever and I've seen the vast majority of uh, their major matches together and um, even the drama of will Osprey his uh, nose exploded at one point this match really heightened the, the uh, you know the intensity and you know drama of this match and in my opinion, was one of, if not the best match of the New Japan Cup. We got another nominee coming up here for the same tournament, but this match was truly, like, special. And uh, if you haven't seen it, go out of your way, check it out. It's a great candidate.
1: Yeah, I love that match. And I also love this matchup, the finals of the New Japan Cup, Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay, continuing their epic rivalry that started in the best of the Super Juniors 2019 and the, the epic main event that was the match of the year uh, for that year And brought that rivalry over to the heavyweight division And these guys just had an incredible matchup um, You know, there was some shenanigans with B. Priestley uh, in this matchup But still, that didn't really take away from the incredible work these guys put in And just how hard-hitting it was And also the great reversal encounters uh, Playing back to that Best of the Super Junior 2019 Matchup, a lot of great spots there. And it was the, the crowning of Will Ospreay, the, the kind of the highlight moment for him and pushing him forward into the main event scene. Okay, cool.
0: So then, uh, yep, yeah, this next match uh, actually is the rematch between Shingo Takaki and Will Ospreay, which many said were, was even superior to the original match. That's for you guys to kind of decide. But um, it took a lot of the story elements that had been laid out between Shingo and Will, which was all playing off of the earlier series of matches that they'd had um, and kind of even expanded upon that. So it's sort of like the New Japan Cup was sort of like a bridge between their earlier series of matches where, you know, the dynamics of their characters was vastly different back then. And now we're kind of into like a new saga of matches between these two, which we might see again play out on the second night of Wrestle Kingdom. But um You know, at the time when this match occurred, many people were calling it the match of the year, got extremely high accolades. It's highly rated on every single aggregate website, every single reviewer. Um, And if you haven't seen the match, I highly recommend you go and see it. It's clearly one of, if not the best New Japan match of the year, Uh, just truly, truly special stuff. And I mean, these guys have the history. They've won match of the year in the past for their New Japan Cup match. Now they're kind of remaking magic here at the heavyweight division.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the next matchup is another rematch. It's the rematch from Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shingo Takagi. It's that Wrestle Grand Slam. So big rematch. The Never Title match was, you know, a big favor for a lot of people, a top contender. The rematch here for bigger stakes, this time it's for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. It's the main event in the Tokyo Dome, so kind of a big uh, moment here. I, even though it's you know we kind of call it the, the fake Tokyo Dome. It's still it's still a dome. Shingo getting a main event in the dome against Tanahashi for the world title. Just things you never thought you would hear happen happening in 2021, but it is, and just as fantastic as the first match. Ton of great callbacks and reversals and spots and big moves and you know high fly flows to the outside. And these guys just kind of throwing it all especially in that you know really kind of bleak Tokyo Dome environment with the limited capacity. They worked really hard, really great work, got you into the match even with a clap crowd, and this time Shingo gets the win back and retains his world title.
0: Awesome. So then that brings us to the G1 series and uh, first recommended match of that period of the year, Shingo Takagi versus Tomohiro Ishii, G1, Night 1. And, I mean, there's no denying that this was... One of, if not the best match during the G1 this year, and it started off extremely hot. You know, Shingo and Ishii, they've got the history. They've had uh, numerous um, match of the year candidates uh, on our awards year after year, and this year is no exception. And uh, you want to talk about strong style, you want to talk about stiff strikes, you know, lariats, headbutts, you know, pumping bombers you know brain busters you you name it these guys were doing it and uh one of the most viscerally violent matches on this list of nominees and uh they went out there and they really set the bar super high for the rest of the g1 um throughout the entire tournament and yeah just incredible incredible stuff from these two
1: Then our second-to-last nominee is Shingo Takagi versus Zack Sabre Jr. from night three of G131. This was, you know, a big breakout moment for Zack. Zack was coming in with the momentum of tapping out Naito and and Kayfabe, kind of taking him out of the tournament and coming in hot here, obviously against Naito's uh, friend and stablemate, Shingo Takagi it's a great back and forth where Shingo just was trying to outpower Zach the whole match, but Zach has seemed to be one step ahead, really focused in on the arm to uh, get rid of the, the pumping bomber and Yukon lariats out of Shingo's arsenal, and then was finally able to get that kind of flash tap-out arm bar towards the end. They're teasing that time limit. You're thinking, oh, they're going to go for a draw, but no, uh, Sabre gets Shingo in the right spot at the right time. Shingo taps out immediately And this was a huge win, and everybody was very excited about what this win was going to lead for Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that actually led to our final match of the year candidate, which is the rematch between Shingo Takagi, Zack Sabre Jr., from Power Struggle, the last major show of the grading period for us. And uh, a lot of the same um, story elements that you just mentioned, they apply here as well. Um, But with this match... The stakes are a little bit higher because the world title is on the line. And, you know, the question is, can history repeat itself? Does Zach Sabre Jr. have it in him to, you know, make the magic happen again? Or does Shingo sort of have an out because, you know, that match was a tournament match early on in the tournament. And the strategies and the, uh, you know, the thought processes of a competitor during a G1 you know, block match is a little bit different than when the world title's on the line on a major show, and these guys went out there and actually, you know, absolutely tore it up. Uh, you know, the, the debate was hot raging as to which was the superior match: was it G1 Night Three or was it Power Struggle? Again, that's for you guys to determine, but uh, both were so good that we couldn't leave them off of the uh, the ballot here, and that is gonna do it for match of the year. We got thirteen matches listed which is a little bit more than we normally do. We try to keep it in the 10, 11 range, but you know, even in a quote-unquote down period, we still have at least 13, and we could have probably put on more. There's some omitted matches, but these are the 13 that we felt absolutely had to be on the ballot, which just shows you how strong of an in-ring product New Japan still is, even in 2021, even with clap crowds, even with Togoism and everything like that.
1: Yeah, I think once again, New Japan proves that it is the... Best in-ring promotion going. And that will yeah. take us. Oh, oh,
0: real quick. I just wanted to point out. And I mean, this isn't me trying to sway you, buddy. These are just literal facts. Of the 13 matches that we have listed, eight of them include Shingo Takagi's involvement. Eight of the <laughs> 13. I think the next closest guy on the list is Will Ospreay with like four um, and I think you see like Zach show up in like three, and Tanahashi's got his, and you know everything like that. But I mean, it just goes to show you how dominant Shingo was this year in terms of like match quality.
1: Yeah. So our next category is the show of the year, and we will start with Wrestle Kingdom fifteen Night One, which is January fourth. Also uh, kicking off the calendar year with the the big double dome event. Uh, the focus here, obviously, was the This year's version of the double gold dash, like we mentioned earlier, Kota Ibushi beating Naito in the main event to finally win the big one. You also had Okada and Osprey, Tanahashi and Great Okan, the the U.S. briefcase match with my man Kojima and Kenta, Uh, the junior match of Hiromu and ELP. So just, you know, your traditional January 4th, um, great way to start off the year. A lot of great matches on this card.
0: Awesome. So the next night that we have is Wrestle Kingdom 15 in the Tokyo Dome. Um, and, you know, it starts off with uh, we had the dark tag matches from Stardom. But uh, the stuff that may tape, you know, you've got the uh, KOPW four way. That is what it is. But then we had uh, Suzuki Goon Juniors defending the IWGP title against Wato and Taguchi. Shingo Takagi and Jeff Cobb from Night 2 in the Open Weight title match. Just incredible, Sonata taking on Evil in a grudge match. You know, ex Lij members, um, Hiromu versus Taiji Ishimori. One of the best IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title matches of the year. And then the main event was Ibushi defending the double gold against Jay White. So, uh, and that match went forty eight minutes five seconds. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was long. <laughs> that's,
0: that's pretty crazy. So that's uh, that's your second night of Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Next up, we have Castle Attack Night 2 from February 28th in Osaka Joe Hall. Big main event here was Kota Ibushi defending the IC title against Tetsuya Naito. And yet again, another great match in their series. You had Despi defending the junior title in a three-way against Bushi and ELP. Kanahashi defending the never title against the great Okan. And then G.O.D. defeated Ogoto and Yoshihashi in a tag team title defense. So, just a, a well rounded car with some great title matches and just a really strong night.
0: Nice. So, the next night we've got uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall from uh, June 6th. Uh, we had a couple multi man matches to start off the night, but uh, the top three matches um, that really kind of set things off El Desperado defeats Yo, 23 minutes, 40 seconds for the junior title. And uh, what was a very hyped an anticipated match it was kind of the return of yo to singles action for on a major level like that and then uh the semi-main event abushi and jeff cobb they ac- absolutely destroyed it in a strong style match of the year contender and then um the main event was shingo takagi as he defeated kazushiko okada for the vacant IWGP world heavyweight title just missed nomination for match of the year but overall an incredible night in osaka joe hall
1: Then we have Wrestle Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome. So one of the Tokyo Dome shows that get in the middle of the year here, July 25th. A ton of great matches on this card as well. The aforementioned Shingo and Tanahashi IWGP World Title Match headline this show. Absolutely incredible matchup. Semi-main event, we had the Dangerous Techers defending against Sonata and Naito. Actually, they were challenging Sonata and Naito, getting the titles back on this night. Then you have the Okada and Cobb feud continuing with a singles match there. Eagles defending the—actually, again, it's Eagles winning the junior title against uh, Desperado here. And then we had a junior tag title match with uh, Bullet Club's cutest tag team defeating the Mega Coaches. So really fun show here.
0: Great. Uh, New Japan Resurgence is our next nominee. That was from August fourteenth, twenty 2021 in Los Angeles, the torch at the L.A. Coliseum. And uh, this is an interesting show in the fact that it's got a lot of great quality here, but it maybe didn't peak as high as some of the matches that we listed in earlier shows. But the the one thing that makes this one different, full full crowds in the U.S. for the first time in you know, over a year and not only that, but it also had the variety and length of a true new Japan show. We'd kind of been missing that with some of those shows that we just mentioned. There were like five, six matches. This was like a full length, like a 10, 11, 12 match card. Um, and very, very good top to bottom. So you had Carl Fredericks defeating Alex Coughlin in the Alex Coughlin challenge match series. Uh, we had six man tag team action, 10, 10 man tag team action, all strong guys, but uh, the, the match, the show really picked up as we started getting into the major matches. So you had Juice Robinson defeating Hicka Leo, Tomohiro Ishii defeating, uh, defeating Moose from Impact Wrestling in what was probably the match of the night. Uh, the Good Brothers taking on John Moxley and his special dream tag team partner, Eugene Nagata. So we had some uh, Impact and AEW guys there. Uh, the never open weight title match between Jay White and Dave Finley, when we found out LA is Jay White country. And then the main event as Hiroshi Tanahashi wrestled the IWGB US title away from Lance Archer in uh, a very great main event. So um, awesome evening, top to bottom.
1: Yeah. Next up, we have G1 Climax 31, night two. So it's the B block from September 19th. This was overall the best B-block night of the tournament. You had a lot of great bangers here. The main event was Kazucho Okada defeating Tanahashi. And again, it's another classic from those guys. Dave went 4.75 on it. You also had Taichi versus Hiroki Goto. Sonata and Tamatonga, which Tamatonga was really, you know, pushing the limit here. It's kind of the first shot where we saw of Tamatonga is really kind of killing it here in this tournament. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Chase Owens. Chase was working really hard. And then you had Evil and Yoshihashi, which was one of the better Evil matches of the tournament. So overall, you said a really solid night here, several good matches, and then one really great main event. Great.
0: Uh, the next night that we've nominated is G1 Climax Night 10 from Cork and Hall. And um, on paper, is one of the strongest uh G1 Climax evening. So the evening started with Chase Owens defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in one of the biggest upsets of the year and of the tournament. And then you had Evil versus Tamatanga, which was probably the low match on the card, but kind of fed into the, uh, you know, proposed and uh, speculated ongoing Bull Club turmoil. And, you know, Tamatanga had sort of a resurgent G1 this year. So one of the... Uh, maybe better evil matches of the tournament. And then at the top, it's nothing but quality. Jeff Cobb and Taichi killing it. Um, One of the better matches of the tournament. Those guys really, really, you know, had an incredible battle. Um, Goto versus Yoshihashi, a a match between tag team partners and Chaos Stablemates. They had uh, an incredible match as well, just kind of riding that momentum from Cobb and Taichi. And then the main event, Okada Sonata. One of the better Okada Sonata matches in years, Uh, they tend to do better when the title's not on the line and it's a G1 Climax style match. But match of the evening, you know, you've got three matches at the top of the card that are near four stars or above it and then uh, major upset to start the show. So, I mean, uh, all, all across the board, one of the best G1 nights of the year.
1: Nice. And next up, we have another G1 night, night 13, October 9th and this was in the Edion Arena in Osaka, Japan and show opened up we had a a non-tournament match with Tomohiro Ishii defeating Hiromu Takahashi which was a wild rematch from their New Japan Cup rematch uh, in 2020 and it's a, a great way to kind of kick off the, ma- the the show and probably it's c- contingent for one of the best matches of the night even though it was a non-tournament match and then moved on to A-block action. You had Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr. It's a a very strong-style, brutal match. Kenta was slapping the crap out of Zack in this match. You had Yano defeating Yujiro. Shingo Takagi and Tangaloa had a a pretty good match. And then the main event was Kota Ibushi defeating Great Okan. Great Okan was in in his run of of main events against top guys in the A-block and just had a really uh, strong matchup here, a very kind of shoot-style matchup with Kota Ibushi.
0: Great. And then finally, the final major match of the uh, show of the year, Power Struggle 2021 from the Eddien Arena in Osaka, Japan. And um, again, this is a, another standout show in that um, this was the first New Japan show, probably post-Wrestle Kingdom of this year, that was a full-on production show with you know numerous matches and was kind of a nice change of pace because even though you had like more matches on the show that kind of equated to some of these earlier matches having less match time, which was sort of a better change of pace as opposed to like the five or six match uh, approach where everyone got a lot of time to kind of fill the space. Um, throughout the night, some of the, the standouts, uh, the main event, Shingo Takagi against Zack Sabre Jr. in a match of the year contender that we mentioned. Uh, we also saw Kazushiko Okada defend his IWGP World Heavyweight title number one contendership. Whatever that is against Tamatanga in a rematch (laughs) from the G1 Climax, Uh, Kenta defeated Tanahashi for the IWGP US title. Um, Desperado defeated Robbie Eagles for the Junior title, and then we also saw like Yano and Okan. They had an amateur wrestling rules match, so kind of a divergent sort of change of pace for the KOPW title. There, Uh, the Chaos Six Man Trio dropped the Never Openweight titles to House of Torture. And then we had a few um, opening match uh, multi-man tag teams plus a tag team match involving the new Young Lions, Fujita and Oiwa. So, you know, kind of more of a variety across the board with some really high-end matches, big title changes. This sort of felt like the show setting the table for what's going to be Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, that's going to do it for Match of the Year candidates. So we've got a lot of really, really good candidates there for you guys to kind of suss through and, you know, you tell us what you think is the absolute banger show of the year.
1: Yeah. Like you mentioned, you know, might be in a down year, but we still had some great shows and some great shows to pick here for the show of the year.
0: Nice. So then we are going to move on to the remainder. We've done the big three. Um, For the rest of this, we kind of usually just give the uh, topic. We give the names and then me and Jeremy just sort of popcorn around giving our general thoughts about the nominees so we can save on time because as you can see we've got a lot of candidates or a lot of uh, categories here
1: yeah so our next category is the jushin thunder liger junior of the year award so our nominees we have el desperado robbie eagles the bone soldier taiji Shimori, ren narita the headbanger el Fantasmo, show and haromu takahashi
0: Yeah. I feel like the junior division has been a little bit uh, interesting and sort of in flux here because one thing you have to take into consideration, the biggest tour for them throughout the year is always Best of the Super Juniors, and traditionally that comes in May. But, you know, for last year and then now this year as well, um, they both ran in that November-December time slot, which is a change from tradition. And it, it's not that it's worse, but I mean it's definitely just a change because typically stuff that happens at that period of the year kind of becomes a little bit of an afterthought. And I think you and I were both expecting there to be uh, a change in – well, I think we both thought that like COVID was going to get better and we'd end up with Super Juniors from last year on the grading period and then we'd go back to the traditional May time period this year. And so we'd end up with – two junior um periods to kind of grade off of but that's not really the case so a lot of what we're grading off of is stuff that happened at the tail end of last year and then anything that was happening in either the junior division or the junior tag division from this past year which you know maybe hasn't been as hot or as uh you know heralded as it's been in the past you know
1: Exactly. Yeah, I was sitting back last year, like, yeah, 2021 is going to be the year of the juniors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we really thought that, and it didn't end up being that way. And then you also have to take into consideration, too, like Super Juniors took a different format turn. I mean, it was a single block tournament, it's not, you know, the traditional two blocks that we've become accustomed to. There was also a J Cup that happened at the tail end of last year. And then, um, obviously, the junior tag league, which sort of is a little bit of an afterthought but it has to be considered as well.
1: Right. And I think the, the one interesting name that really wasn't involved in any of that stuff is Ren Narita. So Narita has been on NJPW Strong doing his excursion in the LA Dojo. And the reason he's on here is he he right now he makes the junior weight limit. So I know he is getting thick. He's putting on some muscle but he hits a junior weight limit right now, and he's been having absolute bangers on New Japan Strong. The matches with Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler and Fred Rosser, he's been a standout guy in the U.S. Yeah, all those matches
0: you you listed, they stand out. I mean, we're playing a little fast and loose with the rules, but as of right now, it, it does seem that he is a junior. Although, Strong isn't really um, so, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is, but they're not. I mean, it's
1: an open weight. Yeah, it's kind of an
0: opa weight promotion. They, they don't have a lot of delineation between the two weight classes, but even still, Renarita is a junior doing some special things over there. So that's great. Um, you know, the 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 first big name that comes to mind for me is Hiromu Takahashi, which, you know, I do think he's got a case based off the fact that he did win the best of the super juniors. He did go on to uh win the uh junior title this year defend it in the dome. You know, he did quite a few things, but then he also injured his shoulder and spent a good period of the year on the shelf. And uh, that kind of probably changes some of his trajectory. And then he even had, like, say, that title match with Show, which sort of was underwhelming. So he's kind of in a perplexed situation. I think kind of a little bit similar to, like, Kotobushi. Um, there's no doubt that he was the MVP of best of the super juniors. He had all the best matches, but the funny thing is it felt sort of like the audience perception throughout that tournament was that maybe Desperado was the true MVP by the numbers. He wasn't in terms of just match quality, but in terms of like gaining accolades, gaining approval, proving who he was in this division, it almost felt like Desperado did more to further himself in that tournament Even if he was performing at a lower level than Hiromu was overall, you know?
1: Right, and that's a guy I definitely want to highlight Because I definitely think he has a strong case in in winning this And that's Desperado And, you know, he had that epic final with Hiromu in the Best Super Junior 27 the, The big kind of unmasking moment there And he continues fighting It's a great closing sequence there He has the match with Kota Ibushi the last double title match, the last official like IWGP heavyweight in the Intercontinental title match in a, a great main event. He finally wins the junior heavyweight title, has some defenses this year. Obviously him and Katamaru um, in the junior tag division as well. So Desperado, just a, a kind of a sneaky great year. He didn't win the Super Juniors, but almost in a, in a way kind of like Shingo where he didn't win all the tournaments, but he had great performances. Like you mentioned, he had that fan support and just really kind of broke out and finally winning that junior title. Yeah,
0: and um the thing with Desperado too is he also did business. You know, he drew in sumo hall with Hiromu Takahashi. He drew with Kota Abushi. So, I mean, you know, he he kind of proved himself as a commodity not just as a performer but also as in terms of popularity and his ability to connect with the crowd and Yeah, multiple time uh, junior champion, world title or, you know, heavyweight title challenger, multiple time tag uh, winner this year. He also, you know, was in the finals of the Super Junior. So uh, uh, he did a lot here. A couple other guys, too, worth mentioning El Fantasmo. This is a guy who uh, kind of split his time between um, New Japan in the States and then also in Japan. Um, He wasn't in best of the super juniors, but he was in the uh, J cup and won the J cup. He also um, challenged for the junior title this year and was a multiple time holder of the IWGP junior heavyweight titles. So, you know, kind of, you know, had a sort of an understated year, but was still doing a lot of really good work in the States all throughout the year as well.
1: Yeah, and then Robbie Eagles had a really good Best Super Junior twenty seven. He also finally won the junior title this year, um, beating well, he beat uh, Hiromu for that title. Yes, um, in a great match. No, no, no,
0: no. He beat El Desperado. Uh, he beat
1: Despi. He defended against Hiromu. Um, yeah,
0: Hiromu came back from injury. People thought he would come back and just swoop up that belt and. He he didn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, big win for Eagles. Uh, goes to the U.S. and Strong has some great matches there. Him and Tiger Mask team this year in the Super Junior Tag League, and then him and Tiger Mask, Flying Tiger, they win the Junior Tag Team title. So he's held uh, both titles this year.
0: Yep. Um, same same thing with Taiji Ishimori, and we kind of talked about how the Junior Tag Team titles sort of seem to get wrapped up in the uh, IWGP Junior Title. You know, picture they sort of seem to be per- precursors for one another. Anytime there's a feud going on, but Ishimori, he's a guy that was a multi-time um, champion. He won the junior title this year. He also won the uh, the tag team titles with uh, El Fantasmo and he had great matches in all the tournaments. Uh, so he's a standout guy. And then the last name um, is Show, who. Really had a great tournament during the Super Juniors, but then um, sort of had a different story going between himself and Yo and how everything sort of broke down with Roppongi 3K. And then really made himself uh, a different man altogether, joining the Bullet Club, joining the House of Torture, changing his appearance, his style, his working, and is kind of poised for a big 2022. And we're kind of seeing that play out here in this year's Super Juniors.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the new, you know, how's a torture look and gimmick and the way his matches have been going, if he's going to end up on this list next year.
0: Yep. So that is going to do it for the uh, Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year. Uh, we have our next uh, category. It is the Tag Team of the Year. And uh, our nominees are the Bolt Club's cutest tag team. That's Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo. The Dangerous Techers the team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi. We've got the uh, Suzuki Goon Jr. team of El Desperado and Yoshinabu Kinomaru, the Chaos Six-Man tag team of Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi, G.O.D., Tangaloa, and Tamatonga. Uh, the United Empire tag team of Jeff Cobb and Great O'Khan. and then the LIJ tag team of Tetsuya Naito and Sanada. So quite a few great nominees here.
1: Yeah, and some uh, new faces on the board as well But first, I think I was want to give some love to Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi These guys have absolutely killed it with the never six-man titles And I know when you're thinking tag team of the year You're probably thinking of a traditional two-man tag team But no, 3 men team count as well And these guys were one of the top teams in New Japan in this voting period 454 day reign as the never open weight six man tag team champions. Great title defenses up and down the year. Uh, Great just chemistry and and match quality. These guys killed it.
0: Yeah, yeah. within our grading period, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight title defenses that uh, come into consideration, and you're going to see many of those matches fall into the Tag Team Match of the Year category. So, I mean, not only were they going out there and defending the titles, but they were doing it in main events in Cork and Hall, and they were doing it, you know, 25 to 40 minutes at a time, um, really, really having fantastic matches. They elevated these titles to the highest levels that they've ever been, um, which in my mind, not only just based on the length, but also – the invested stories and feuds that were involved with it, and then the quality of the matches, these are undoubtedly the greatest never open weight six-man tag team champions in history. They they made these titles mean so much more than they've ever meant before, and I think after dropping them, they never they might never mean as much ever again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> True.
0: The other thing, too, is um, Ishii... Or I'm sorry, no, Goto and Yoshihashi were also a tag team that were contesting for the... Uh, heavyweight tag team titles um, and you kind of can combine some of that into what was going on with this never openweight six-man tag team title as well many of those feuds sort of extended one into another so oftentimes the heavyweight tag team champions would grab a third partner and try to come challenge for these belts as well so um, those are sort of a natural extension of what they were doing in the six-man tag team division as well Uh, I think that there's a good chance because they were six-man champions and many of their matches were happening on road to style shows they're going to get overlooked but um i mean i'm not afraid to say it like this is my pick for <laughs> 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 this is my pick for tag team of the year this is this is my vote um, also like these guys absolutely did something legendary if if i had a if if we had a category for best title reign in the company They would win my vote right now. Yeah. Over the calendar year. That's how good this title reign was. And that's really saying something when you're, when their other contemporaries are guys like Hiromu Takahashi, you know, Shingo Takagi, (laughs) you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And like they're, they're having a better title reign than those guys. Like that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Uh, dangerous Techers, face of the traditional tag team division. They've pretty much been in the tag picture all year, whether they're champions or challengers. They fuse with uh, G-O-D, L-I-J, LIJ, um, Chaos. Chaos. Yeah, go, Tony. And uh, Yoshihashi. They've just been in and out of, of title matches all throughout the year. Pretty much G1 was the only time they weren't really focused in as a team. And again, killed it with great matches uh, throughout the year. When we look at tag team match of the year, several of their matches will, will be on there as well. Yeah.
0: When, for me, when it comes to traditional um, tag teams throughout the year, they're the standard bearer. I mean, you when you look at the body of work that they put in during the World Tag League, when they were the champions, and then look at the defenses they had, when they dropped the titles, when they regained the titles, the num- and they also were locking it up numerous times throughout the year with the never-open-weight six-man tag team champions. Great match with them uh, with Doki challenging, and then another one later in the year, which might even have been better, where they had Suzuki on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dangerous Techers have really, really shined. And I think one thing that might give them an advantage is, A, it's the heavyweight tag titles, so there's a little bit more spotlight on them. But B, they were doing it on many of the big, big shows as opposed to like the road to level that the chaos six man guys were. Um, But so yeah, they're the standard bears. Like they're, they're definitely up there. Um, Some of the other heavyweight tag teams that stand out G O D Naito and Sonata, both of those teams held the heavyweight title this uh, past calendar year, both of them putting in incredible work. I think G O D had a little bit more of a body of work, but some of that, happened in the states and wasn't always in japan versus naito and sonata they didn't wrestle as much together as some of these other teams but the sheer uh, amount of quality that they put out in the short amount of time that they tag team together plus winning the titles on big stages kind of i think is what sets them apart as well
1: right those two great matches with dangerous techers the three-way at wrestle grand slam and now, obviously, the, the voting period's ended, but now they're a team in the World Tag League, which will obviously count for next year's voting. So, also we do the, kind of this shift from Nitro, from the singles, into a tag team, and a tag teams a Sonata shines, So,
0: Yeah. Now, another team, they haven't challenged for any titles. They haven't been locked up in any major feuds, but they had to be nominated, Ocon and Jeff Cobb. And it's basically based off of two things. The um, quality of work that they did during the World Tag League... But then you couple that with just the amount of success they had throughout the year. They were tagging on all of these Road to Shows all year, and they almost never lost. They were just – in fact, we don't have the numbers in front of us, but I wouldn't be surprised if we found out at the end of the year that they were the most successful by just terms of wins and losses – (laughs) they might have been the most successful tag team throughout the whole year. Yeah,
1: they were very protected, ate very few losses, did great in the World Tag League, and just all throughout their feuds, you know, with um, Tenkoji, and uh, throughout the Chaos, all the feuds that they've had this year. Now we're seeing them with the the LA Dojo uh, feud, and now um, these guys are just, they're a solid team. And also, you know, I think people wanting Okab. Okan and Cobb in the tag League and that's seemed like the direction they were going but Things changed but these guys still had like you Mentioned a great year
0: Last two teams to make mention of we've got Bull Club's cutest tag team and El Desperado and Yoshinabu Kanemaru these are two teams that Were both primarily uh, Involved in the junior Division which you know the junior Division hasn't necessarily Been as uh, high as The never six man or the heavyweight tags But you know, there's no denying the amount of quality of matches that these two junior teams put on. And especially Desperado and Kanemaru, they uh regained those belts, I believe, twice this year. I think so did uh Bull Club's QS tag team. But I think one thing that puts the Suzuki Goom team a little bit over is the fact that they did go on to win the uh the junior tag league, which was like the first time that a non-Rapongi three K team <laughs> Won this in years So that yeah. was kind of a shining moment for them But uh, both teams really putting in the work In kind of a down division
1: Yeah, great stuff From both of those teams Focal points of both the junior singles And junior tag divisions
0: Awesome Well that's going to do it for tag team of the year
1: Yep, so our next category The Carl Gotch Strong Style Award And we have a murderer's row Of nominees here we have Jeff Cobb, Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson, Kota Abushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Kenta, Great Okan, Filthy Tom Lawler, Ren Narita, Shingo Takagi, and Zack Sabre Jr.
0: Yeah, you got 10 guys that you wouldn't want to be in a dark alley alone with here. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's kind of nice because, like we mentioned uh, for the wrestler of the year, you saw some new faces. Well, with the introduction of New Japan of USA, New Japan Strong, uh, quite a few guys that really fit into that shooter, badass, you know, realistic type of mold. Uh, those guys are kind of getting brought onto this, and you're noticing some names that traditionally would have been here. Like, there's no Minoru Suzuki, there's no. Nagata, there's no Kojima, there's no Goto. These are some of the guys that like you would be like, oh, those are like shoe-ins and locks. But um, based on the the year we've seen and the amount of the kind of the shift towards realism in the US on these strong shows, it's really opened the door for some of these newer names to really kind of make their mark and kind of show that they fit the mold of Carl Gotch this year.
1: Yeah, and with that, like you mentioned, it really made the field tough. Even a guy like Chi with his uh, strong style offense is a guy that would traditionally be on this list. But you had yeah. you had guys in the U.S. like Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson with just his intense style and the chops and his lariats and just the intensity he brings to New Japan Strong the matches he's had. With 50 Tom, the Zuki match, the Ren Narita match, like, uh, he was just a, a bruiser on New Japan Strong.
0: Yeah. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this
1: award, if you're a longtime listener, you know, but the Carl Gotch Award isn't
0: about who's the best wrestler of the year. It's about who is the most realistic slash violent wrestler of the year. So it's about who's going out there and who's proving that they're about that life, whether it be, you know, guys that are going out there and having major striking exchanges or guys that are going out there and tapping people out or who are just showing that they can deal with extreme amounts of punishment, you know, this is the guys that are in the fight of the year candidates. And that was the, one of the reasons why a, a name like Chi maybe didn't make it or even like, a, um, a Fred Yehai. you know, some guys that definitely fit the mold in terms of style, uh, Brody King, that's another guy, uh, really, really talented, great guys who could fit here, but maybe just didn't based on the amount of, quality strong style level fights. They didn't may- maybe necessarily have the the resume that some of these other guys did. So let's go through the list real quick um and Jeff Cobb is someone who I think could have always been on this list. I don't know if he's been nominated in the past but never more so than this year does he seem like someone that uh is qualified. And some of the the, the matches that come to mind are the Shingo match and the Kota Ibushi matches. Match and then not only that, but like this guy was just fucking people up. He's really upped his intensity, like you mentioned during uh, match of the year uh, deliberation. I mean, he's dropping people on their domes, going to the outside, su- suplexing people on the fucking floor. Yeah, those and, belly to
1: bellies to the floor are nasty.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he's a guy who like. We always said, like, kind of worked more of a U.S. indie style. Well, that those days are kind of gone. It, it's not. It doesn't mean that he can't still do a standing moonsault and stuff like that or shooting star. But like, he's fucking people up. <laughs> 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 and then remember when he was hitting uh the um the kamigoye? But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His Kamagoye is better than um, Kodo Busi's kamigoye. So I mean, knee strikes, suplexes. Jeff Cobb's a bad man, bro.
1: Yeah, um, another new face on the list this year: Filthy Tom Lawler, the Woo. first ever strong open weight champion. He was the perfect guy to give that title to, and to kind of make the top guy in New Japan strong. And you know, see Filthy Tom being a former MMA fighter, he brings that shoot style element to his matches. His incorporation of submission holds and striking in his matches, and all throughout the year, all his strong title defenses were great, and again, defending against guys like Ren Narita and Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson, and just having these hard-hitting matches um, facing off against you know guys like Fred Rosser and giving them great matches, and, you know, Philly Tom, I think he's kind of like a, a low case. If you haven't been watching strong, you probably missed some of these defenses, some of these, you know, hard-hitting matches. The, the match where he won the title against Brody King, like, he's been having a lot of hard-hitting matches, using that uh, sleeper to choke people out, and He's been an awesome addition to New Japan Strong.
0: Bro, not only was he having very realistic, uh, you know, worked matches in New Japan, this man had two MMA fights this cal- during this calendar year to finish out his MMA career while he was... The strong open weight champion. If that's not inokiism, I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's kind of funny. We didn't even consider the idea that maybe like an MMA fight could be an excursion match of the year candidate. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I, I guess it could be. <laughs>
0: but this this man, uh, he he lost at PFL two um, on April 29th, twenty twenty one, during a tournament match. But then he came back and had a uh, decision win on june 17th 2021 against jordan young pfl5 and that rounded out the the end of his uh mma career now he's completely dedicated to new japan uh he also left mlw this year so i think we're gonna see a lot more of tom lawler but i mean dude some of the matches that stand out i mean the chris dickinson match you know um stuff with Ren and Rita. he had a match with dkc that i thought really fucking rocked um
1: yeah the kojima match
0: the kojima match the brody king match um just – he's out there really – and then one of the cool things is he, he, he's he been beating a lot of people with multiple different submissions throughout the year. Like he doesn't just have one submission hold that's his finisher. We're kind of seeing Brian Danielson uh, bring that sort of same psychology into his recent AEW work. People are talking about how revolutionary it is, but uh, Dirty Dad – or uh, Filthy Tom Law has been doing that all year on Strong already. You know, so um yeah, dominant dominant strong champion in a very, very tough strong open weight uh, you know, division. So yeah, he's he's a guy you really gotta consider. Talking of strong, you can't forget the dirty daddy Chris Dickinson. Uh another newcomer this year, and he's a guy that just kicks so much ass. I mean, <laughs> like he just fucking rules. He goes out there and he has those hard heart. He goes hard, man. I mean, I remember like there was one point it looked like he knocked out one of those Regal twins. I think he might have. There was one match where it looked like he knocked out uh, um, what's his face before? Uh, jo- what's
1: what's the high uh, flyer? Claire, uh, Blake George, Christian. Oh, uh, Blake Christian. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like he
0: break. He uh, kicked Blake Christian's ass out of here into NXT <laughs> before he's uh probably going to come back. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Dickinson just. He goes hard, man. That Suzuki match he had this year, the stuff he was doing outside of New Japan with Bloodsport and, you know, just across the board. Like, this is a guy who embodies the Bushido spirit of fighting strong style. Like, there's nothing more for me to say. Chris Dickinson's a bad motherfucker.
1: Yeah. And another guy from strong, Ren Narita, like we mentioned earlier in uh, Junior of the Year. Ren Narita came to Excursion uh, to LA Dojo strong. And pick up some surprising wins You know, you'd think he's still wearing the black trunks That he's a, a young line and he's going to be losing a lot of matches And, you know, pull that upset against Bateman And he, from there, you started beating guys And uh, beating Fred Ross Or getting matches against Tom Lott, Beating Chris Dickinson I think that was probably one of his biggest wins And, and just, you know the slaps, the chops, and just—he's a little mini Shibata. The way that he works in the ring, everything is so intense and snug and brutal. And he was just having these hard-hitting matches all throughout New Japan Strong.
0: Yeah, it's been really cool. Plus, the just the fact that we got to see all three of these guys fight each other in the ca- same calendar year—I think that's—you uh, know—the cream rising to the top. You know. Yeah. Um, aside from that. Obviously, Shingo cannot be overlooked. We talked about the amount of match quality he's had, and you know, if you know anything about Shingo, he's a he's a, a Carl Gotch guy. He likes to fucking brawl. And I mean, um, many of the people that are on this list, like Zach Saber, Jeff Cobb, Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, these are all guys that he's gone to war with this year. And um, you know, we've already talked about the greatness of him, but this guy's going out there and fucking people up.
1: Yeah. Then also, uh, great Ocon, kind of a breakout year for him and just his interesting style. You know, he was a a former amateur wrestler, and I believe he also has some MMA background and really just incorporating that. You know, he did his excursion in in Rev Pro. I think he picked up a lot of, like, technical wrestling uh, style from there as well. And so we saw him just really incorporate um, some interesting, like, striking and just grappling and, you know, the matches with guys like uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and his matches with Ibushi, just really seeing that, that unique style that he brings to the table.
0: Yeah, he's about that life, like, you know, people see the, 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 you know, the zombie gimmick and, you know, the the wackiness and they think that's, the screaming, they think that's all there that there is to this guy, but it's like, nah, he can really fucking wrestle and he can really, really strike and he's very technical and, you know, he's about that life. Another guy who's kind of similar to that Zack Sabre Jr., you know? And I think he's always sort of on the edge of either getting nominated or not because sometimes we don't think he's maybe as physical as some of these other guys. But, dude, you look at the run he had in the G1 and the amount of guys that he fucking tapped out and then him adding mass and adding muscle to his frame.
1: Yeah, beefed up.
0: Yeah, he's he's big boy Zach now, and he's been fucking people up and, like – Zack Saber's about that life. Like he he wants all the smoke all the time. Like and uh, it's awesome. So I mean, you know, the Carl Gotch Wars not just about striking. It's about realistic wrestling. And I don't know if there's anyone out there that can go hold for hold the way Zach does. And he's just had a standout year.
1: Yeah, especially in the G one, is how he was tapping everybody out, just destroying people, breaking literally breaking limbs this year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then the last three guys you got Ibushi, Ishii, and Kenta. And, I mean, if you know anything about all three of them, these are guys that like to scrap. They, you know, they, they're, again, about that life. <laughs> all three of them bring it every single time and just they fuck people up. That's yeah. what they do. <laughs> and that's what they were doing all year long. And, I mean, all three of them um, pretty much had matches against one another during the G1 as well. And I think that was another reason why they all kind of got nominated here.
1: Yeah, so you'll say, like I said earlier, "Murderers Row, Very Hard-Hitting set of nominees for the Carl Gott Strong Style Award.
0: And this year's kind of interesting because normally I have super strong feelings about most of the awards. This year, I don't really feel that way. You know, um, I, I have a couple ideas about some of the major awards, but like that one right there, for instance, and there's a lot like this. I, I don't know who's winning the Carl Gotch award. I, it's going to really depend on what the voters think, because I could see argument strong, serious arguments for all of those guys.
1: Yeah, I think some of the strong guys might get slighted here if people haven't been following that product and watching all those matches. Um, mm. So we'll, we'll see what happens up. But
0: that's the other beautiful thing about these awards. It's not just about the winners, but it's also about educating maybe fans who. It's, it's sort of like a retrospective for the year. So for those of you guys who are listening, you might not be aware like, yeah, Dickinson's been fucking people up and you might want to go see that. <laughs> 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 you know, stuff like that. So um, th- we've got our next category and it's one of the bigger ones. Feud of the Year. And this was a tough one to uh, get down to just the amount of uh, nominees we have. But we're going to start it off hot. We got Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi. Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi. United Empire versus Tenkozy, Tom Lawler versus Chris Dickinson. The Dangerous Techers versus Gorillas of Destiny. Chaos versus the Third Generation Dads. Jeff Cobb versus Kota Ibushi. Dangerous Techers versus LIJ, the team of Naito and Sonata, Jeff Cobb versus Kazushiko Kata, and Ren Narita versus Fred Rosser.
1: Yeah, just a a great set of feuds here. It's, again, showing us the, you know, great year that New Japan's had, even in a quote-unquote down year in the middle of COVID, in the middle of clap crowds. A ton of great feuds. I think one of the the highlight feuds, the first one you mentioned, Will Osprey versus Shingo Takagi, as we kind of pushed into this new um, kind of generation and you know new lineage with the world title. Osprey and Shingo were two of the quote unquote pillars of that kind of new movement here in New Japan, and both these guys super strong performances in the New Japan Cup, and then facing off in the finals and the the rematch uh, at the Dantaku, and then even with Osprey reemerging with the real world title and kind of their back and forth comments and the potential to a another matchup of these guys come Wrestle Kingdom sixteen night two, um, just one of the kind of the backbone feuds of the year.
0: Absolutely, um, two great classic matches between them, uh, Naito and Ibushi. A, another set of matches where you know they they might not have had your traditional feud in the sense of where it was heated and had a lot of hate behind it the way that maybe Osprey and Shingo did. But uh, in terms of match quality, this is two of the highest of highs this year. Uh, The match that they had in New Beginning and then the match that they had at Wrestle Kingdom over the IC title and over the Double Gold. And these guys went out there and fucking tore the house down two times this year. And I feel like that's um, when we were going over this, people may- maybe have forgotten a little bit about that aspect of the early part of the year. But there's no denying like that was the highest of heights for Naito this year.
1: Yeah. Then uh, United Empire Tenkoji feud. Um, it's a really heated personal rivalry and kind of one of the big first feuds of the year for United Empire coming out of Wrestle Kingdom. You he ha- you had the big uh, stretcher job that they did it to uh, Tenzon at New Year's Dash which uh, ultimately built up into that crazy no DQ match that Osprey and Kojima had and the uh, Mongolian chop-off match with Tenzon and the Great Okon.
0: I will tell you one thing about this one. Um, there were definitely some blow-off matches between Empire and Tenkozi later on, but I mean, when you talk about the the stretcher job at New Year's Dash that kind of kicked off the feud, and then the series of no D- or of disqualifications and no contests that these guys had on the road to shows. Um, And the, the way that they varied up the tag matches on the road to new beginning. And then that match between um, Kojima and, uh, and Will Ospreay, this might not be quote unquote filled with the most bangers, the way that everything else was, but in terms of a cohesive storyline, hate filled feud, And satisfying blow-off, there might not actually be a more compelling from A to Z feud that's actually based on hate. As weird as that sounds, um, these guys just really fucking hated each other. And I mean, like this was the feud that really established United Empire as a major force in New Japan this year and kind of brought a resurgence to the Tinkozi team.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful, well-booked rivalry from beginning to end.
0: It might get slept on a little bit, but, like, that feud rules.
1: <laughs> you go go back and watch the Osprey and Kojima match. Like, that match was nuts.
0: Uh, next, we got Tom Lawler versus Chris Dickinson, and you could even extend that to Team Filthy versus Chris Dickinson um, because this is a feud where Chris Dickinson came into the company as a member of Team Filthy, and then as his – uh affiliation outside in ring of honor with violence Unlimited kind of came to the forefront and sort of started to rub up against his, uh, affiliation with team filthy in new Japan as Brody King came into the company and, and everything like that. Uh, it's, it created a rift. Uh, we saw team filthy turn on Chris Dickinson. They uh, kicked this man out of team filthy. Like his name was, you know, Randy Orton in the year 2004, 2005, <laughs> you know, and then they started a, a, a series of heated matches, multi man matches, and then you know kind of culminated in um, – did they have one or two big matches this year in singles? I believe I think it was just the one. Just
1: one, one. Yeah, the one strong title defense where uh, Lawler defeated Dickinson.
0: But for my money, it's one of the top two or three strong strong openweight title matches this year. And one of the best uh, New Japan matches to happen in America all year was the match between Lawler and Dickinson. And this had – you know again very similar to that ten feud heat behind it invested uh angles and promos and stories so like this was one of the better feuds of the year for sure
1: yeah then dangerous checkers in god a few that kind of started in the end of last year's world tag league and kind of spilled out through the first quarter of the year also you have the involvement of the iron claw with uh Tama stealing that and, and Going crazy and also you, you had the latter Match for the claw between uh, Tama Tonga and Tai Chi and so There's a lot of angles a lot of A lot of matches a lot of multi-man A lot of tag matches singles matches between These guys there was a match where it was Tango And Sabre if Sabre had lost then your could never get a shot again so um, Kind of an Interesting rivalry depending how you felt about the Iron claw and some of the angles there but It was definitely a, a heated rivalry in Several uh, tag title matches
0: yeah, and uh, uh putting all the claw stuff aside, the some of the matches they had truly were really great. Yeah. yeah you know. Um, next part, Chaos versus Third Generation. This was a feud that was revolving around this never six man open weight tag team titles. But um what really put this feud over the top was the series of singles matches between all these guys, namely that really, really great Yuji Nagata versus um Tomohiro Ishii match that stood out and was kind of like the height of the singles aspect of the feud but you know there were multi-man matches leading up to the six-man title challenge where Ishii just did not give any fucks and was not paying any respect to these Hantai OGs and Nagata, and fucking Tenzan, and Kojima, they were not having it. And right. <laughs> uh, it really made for like a, a fun, cool, interesting, heated rivalry for that short period of time. And then at the end, they all gave each other respect, which was awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cobb and abushi they had, what, two matches this year? Um,
0: the G1 match, and then the match um, from, I believe, was it Dominion?
1: Yeah, I think it was, yeah, Dominion. So, yeah, two really good matches here. And, obviously, there was a lot of buildup, I believe, into the Dominion match where Cobb was doing, the like you mentioned earlier, the, the Kamigoye and how he was just murdering uh, people with his uh, version of the Kamigoye. It kind of was a really kind of heated feud and something for Ibushi to do while he was uh, waiting for another shot at the world title.
0: No, they definitely – they were in different blocks. They definitely didn't wrestle during the uh, – Um. What's it called?
1: Yeah, it wasn't G one because yeah, uh, Cobb was in the B block. she was in the A block. Uh, but it was mean? Dominion... I'll, I'll look.
0: I'll look it up here. But they definitely wrestled twice this year.
1: Was it one of the uh, Wrestle Grand Slam? No, because uh, Cobb wrestled Okada on one of those. Was it the Tokyo Dome Wrestle Grand Slam that they wrestled?
0: You know what? They only wrestled one singles match, so it was the Dominion match. But they had a. Uh, I think the reason we nominated it wasn't because they had so many great singles matches, but it was because of the heat behind the United Empire feud with him leading up to that Dominion match. So, all those um, multi-mans with Cobb uh, and O'Connor and Cobb and Hanari taking on like Golden Ace, and then they beat up Abushi and friends, uh, a lot of Abushi uh, and Hanma, Abushi and Wato, Abushi and Tanahashi, and they were just getting their asses handed to them. By Cobb and Great Khan, And like you mentioned, um Jeff Cobb really gave no fucks about the idea that Ibushi was a wrestling god. Like he was stealing his moves and he was proving night after night that he was the superior athlete to uh to Kota Ibushi. And I think that's the reason why we ended up nominating this, even though in some cases, you know, like Osprey and Shingo and Naito and Abushi, we've got a series of great matches. Kabanabushi had one really great match. That was the culmination of a really great build. Right. And you can't always say that about all the you know a lot of the singles matches that happen in New Japan don't always have that level of like care and involvement. When when we went into Dominion, there was no better built story than Kabanabushi. Yeah. And then the match and then the match fucking ruled.
1: Definitely. Then uh, Techers uh, and Lij. Another few what, series of matches. We saw Naito and A kind of. Become the team for LIJ this year. Uh, they won the titles from Tickers and they had a rematch where Tickers got the belt back. And then there was the uh, triple threat match at Wrestle Grand Slam that both these teams were involved in. And also, there's a lot of other build up multi mans and singles matches within those three matches.
0: Yeah. So those guys went out there and had probably the most invested heavyweight tag team feud of the year that people really cared about and rated highly. So that's a a great candidate. Next one is Jeff Cobb versus Kazushiko Okada. And this is your in-ring uh, Feud of the Year candidate because these guys had three matches during the calendar year, all with really big stakes. Um, you know, we saw Okada beat Jeff Cobb in the first match, uh, which was in the Dome at Wrestle Grand Slam. He pinned him with the... Uh, I, I don't know what you what what do people call that the Okada pin the special pin that he the, does uh,
1: I, I call it the Omega pin
0: the Omega pin <laughs> that's right so yeah he got he he got past Cobb by the skin of his teeth in the dome they had a rematch just prior to the G1 where Jeff Cobb finally hit Okada with uh toward the islands and beat him and then they faced off against one another at the t- top of the A block or was it the top of the B block B block yeah top of the B block in the finals Cobb going in 8 0, Okada going in 7 1, and um, both guys just having the standout G1 performances of that block and, you know, face off against one another in one of the best matches of the G1. Um, there might not be as much story to this feud as maybe, say, some of the other heated feuds that we discussed, but in terms of, Sheer quality of matches, these guys had three bangers back-to-back-to-back, boom-boom-boom, and they were all tied to one another. They all had huge stakes, and they all elevated Cobb in a major way but also played off uh, into Okada's ascension back to the Rainmaker.
1: Yeah. Then the last one here, Narita and Fred Rosser. So if you're not watching New Japan Strong, you're probably wondering why the heck is this on here. But this was one of the standout feuds from New Japan Strong this year that's kind of been building slowly with Narita and Rosser being on the opposite end of tag team matches. And uh, both these guys just kind of showing disrespect to each other and very heated segments. They were pull parts at the end of matches, kind of keeping these guys apart from each other. Then it finally built to the big one-on-one match they had at the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tapings, where Narita just barely beat Fred Rosser to get a shot at Tom Lawler. And these guys are still kind of jaw-jacking, going back and forth today. So it's kind of one of those kind of backbone feuds from Strong this year.
0: Awesome. So that's going to do it for the feud of the year.
1: So our next category is the Big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year. Our nominees are Jeff Cobb, Chris Dickinson, Robbie Eagles, Filthy Tom Lawler, John Moxley, Will Ospreay, L. Fantasmo, Zack Sabre Jr., and the Switchblade, Jay White.
0: Now, I do think we've talked extensively about many of the guys that are here on the list, so... Um, if, if it is someone like Jeff Cobb, I say, we just maybe list the quick accolade and move on, but there are quite a, there's a few names that we haven't really gotten a chance to discuss a lot. One thing I do want to point out, there's probably some people questioning like John Moxley. He was barely in the company this year. We kind of came up with a rule this year because, uh, it's been sort of tough to decide who is and isn't eligible. And we kind of came up with the five appearance rule. If someone has wrestled for, uh, over five times in New Japan within the grading period, they're eligible for these awards. And we sort of made an exception for John Moxley since he was a reigning, even though he's more of a AEW guy, he was the reigning U.S. champion for the vast majority of the year. And not only that, was having um, sanctioned title defenses in AEW, so that's kind of why we made an exception for him. But um, you know, the the Gaijin of the Year award is exactly what it what it means big van vader who's that outsider that foreigner that made the most impact um in new japan this year
1: yeah and even represented the company and even with his minimal appearances Moxley still brought a lot of buzz there was him you know showing up on strong at the beginning of the year for the kenta feud which kind of opened the forbidden door and so there was a lot of buzz and people that was one, probably one of the most watched episodes of strong like you the mentioned, most hyped
0: and advertised for sure
1: yeah and like you mentioned the sanctioned Title matches against um, Nagata and Kojima and Lance Archer that happened on AEW. Then he was at Resurgence. Shingang
0: Carl Anderson.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about the Carl Anderson match. Yeah, and then uh, he was at Resurgence in the tag match that we talked about earlier um, against the Good Brothers. And he was scheduled to be on Battle in the Valley. He did some strong tapings. The it hasn't aired yet, but the him and Suzuki, him and um, Kingston against Suzuki and Archer. So he has some strong appearances coming up. So they're definitely using him as much as they can.
0: Yeah. So uh, John Moxley's there Um, going real quick. We talked about Jeff Cobb quite a bit in his year. You know, that's out there. We talked about Chris Dickinson, um, Robbie Eagles. One thing again, just impressing is this is the first year that he's ever won the IWGP junior title ever before. And he really held that title for a good length of time and also won the junior tag team titles. So he was a double champion throughout the year. So can't really overlook Robbie Eagles and the, the impact that his year has had Tom Lawler, the first ever strong openweight champion. And he's defended that title extensively um, up until just recently. Hadn't even suffered a pinfall loss in new Japan before. So really making a big impact. We talked a lot about Will Ospreay uh, and the year he's had El Fantasmo. Um, zack saber jr so we've kind of covered a lot of these guys the one guy that we haven't discussed jay white
1: yeah the Switchblade. you know he's kind of had some inactivity due to the whole gaijin unrest and uh missing the g1 but he has been in the states kind of making new japan strong his home kind of one of the the focal points on new japan strong this year and you know we we found out at resurgence that like you mentioned earlier that California LA they they love Jay White and he's kind of been almost a fiery tweener baby face ish on New Japan strong
0: you know and even though he's not a wrestler of the year candidate I think he has an argument for being the gaijin of the year for a few reasons uh, number one he headlined the dome number two coming out of the dome the promos that he cut speculating on his contract and everything like that was made him the hottest commodity for a, a short period uh, in the entire business. And people were speculating if he's, if he was going to WWE or going to AEW or what was going to happen. And there was all the reports of his contract was this length and then no, it was this length and then he was walking away, but then, you know, then he ultimately came back and had that uh, feud with uh, Tomohiro Ishii coming up on the, the better end of that feud challenge for the never six man openweight tag team titles with G.O.D., Um, had a really great new Japan cup in which he finally lost to David Finley. That kind of marked the end of his time in Japan after the new Japan cup went back to the States. He had the big appearance on impact going face to face with Kenny Omega. If you go look at the Google searches that, that his interest in the States was never at a higher rate than it's ever been. Than when he went to impact, he did a lot of work in impact brought Chris Bay into the bullet club and then, like you mentioned, uh, his time in resurgence and then some of the work he's done on Strong. So, you know, it's even though Jay White might not have had a quote unquote wrestler of the year caliber year in terms of representation of New Japan on the outside and in the States, I mean, uh, he's he's one of the top candidates for this award, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's another one where people have to look back at the cage match and look at the record and kind of see what Jay White's done this year
0: yeah and i mean like i said we we discussed most of these guys in depth earlier so that kind of saves us on time but some really great candidates here and i'm not quite sure who's going to <laughs> to win this one really i yeah. mean I, it remains to be seen
1: yeah i think this category is and again it's gonna be one of those or it's a wide open and again it's what people watch if nobody's watching strong guys like dickinson and lawler might get slided uh but if they are maybe those guys are gonna get some votes yeah <laughs> Next
0: up, we have Faction of the Year, and uh, all the factions are here. we got the Bull Club, we got Chaos, we got Hantai slash uh, Sekigoon unit, uh, we got LIJ, Los and de Japon, Suzuki Goon, uh, new, two new additions to the Faction of the Year category. We've got Team Filthy from New Japan Strong, and then the United Empire, which is headed by uh, Will Ospreay and Jeff Cobb and all those guys.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I'm most excited about the, the two new additions that we have this year with Team Filthy and the United Empire. I think both those stables really kind of set their footprints in both of their um, territories in the year. You know, the United Empire, we talked about it kicking off really strong the year with the Tenkoji feud, and then obviously Osprey and his run with the World Heavyweight Championship, Cobb and Ocon being dominant, uh, Aaron Hanare joined the group this year. So they had a, a really great year, and they were, I think they were the focal point as far as factions comes in Japan, then when you look in the States, Team Filthy, they formed this year with adding the West Coast Wrecking Crew. You had Danny Limelight, and Dickinson was there for a little bit, but that unit's been working strong. Also, uh, J.R. Kratos is in that group, and they have just been kind of wrecking shop on strong with Filthy Tom kind of being the focal point as the strong champ, and those guys as its backup.
0: Yeah, the other thing with United Empire, too, is um, they've added some new members that have yet to even really – officially make their debut in uh, New Japan. So, you know, they added Aussie Open um, while uh, Will's kind of been doing work over in RevPro and OTT and that sort of thing. Um, They also added TJP just recently. So he kind of defected from the the LA Dojo uh, to become a member of the United Empire as well. So a lot of good stuff there. I think the one thing that might detract for them is Will's um, vacate him vacating the title and uh being more U S and UK based for the remainder of the year. Yeah. But they still have a, they still have a strong argument based on the work that Cobb and Ocon did during the G1 and just prior to the G1 as well. Um, aside from that, the rest of these groups, you know, bull club, chaos, Hantai, LIJ, Suzuki goon, you know, it's been pretty much par for the course. Um, the interesting things with bull club, I would say are like Chris Bay, Coming into the Bull Club, but he's mostly stateside and he's done some strong work, but he hasn't really made his true, proper New Japan debut just yet. Right. And then the House of Torture kind of forming as a subgroup unit within the group. And that's kind of interesting with Jay White being over in the States. And it still remains to be seen how that's all going to play out, you know, in terms of Kayfabe.
1: Right and then I'll say the thing with the big thing with L.I.J., they've had obviously Sonata and Naito being the new team of the unit there. So that was kind of their focus there. And then also, you know, Hiromi doing the junior stuff and Chingo with his uh, run in the main event.
0: Well, you know, the thing is with them, they, they lost evil last year. And um, I think every year since we've had these awards for about four years running, L.I.J. have been the, uh, the faction of the year. And I, Given the success of Shingo and the popularity of Naito and everything, they might win again. But this year feels like the first year where it's very possible they don't win Faction of the Year.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, there's some serious threats here. And depending on how you feel personally about Will Ospreay, I, I think United Empire could be um, a strong vote here.
0: That's true. Suzuki Goon also had some interesting things going on, like Suzuki's U.S. excursion tour, uh, the success in um, Rise of Desperado, Dangerous Techers tearing it up, um, Zack Sabre Jr.'s success throughout the year as well. And I mean, I guess you could say with everything, Chaos, you know, saw quite a, a bit of success as well. Um, they did lose Show to the Bullet Club this year. So that that's another defection in a series of defections. So, um, a lot of interesting things to kind of take into consideration, but, um, you know, we'll see if LIJ is still sitting on their perch come end of the year.
1: Yeah. So our next category, we have the most improved. Our nominees are Doki, Jeff Cobb, Alex Coglin, Chase Owens, Fred Rosser, Tama Tonga, Yota Suji, and Yuya Uemura. Yeah.
0: This one's, uh, very, very, very interesting because, um, we just, we have a lot of new names, which is exciting to kind of, you know, go over for most improved. So, I mean, I'll start off with the young lines, uh, my namesake, the young boys, um, <laughs> Suji and Yamura, both of those guys, um, you know, they went through their seven match series challenge. We've been seeing their praises since they first came into the company and now they've gotten to the point where they've both gone off to excursion. You know, Suji's made his way over to, um, the UK for red pro you is in the States working out of the, the dojo, but both of them prior to leaving, I mean, they had really standout breakout years. You was in the, uh, best of the super juniors, uh, Yota suji if I recall was in the new Japan cups, both of them had some, uh, some tournament experience. Both of them had, um, when again, we mentioned that seven match series, they each one had some really, really interesting, cool, and tough battles. We saw them get to introduce new high flying maneuvers and finishers to their already growing repertoire. And, you know, people were talking about Suji Nimora being like, you know, shoe ins for being top stars in the company when they come back from excursion. They they don't feel very far off from being completed, uh, you know well-rounded performers already before they even went on the excursion, which is maybe because they spent so much time in the company before they finally did leave.
1: Right. I think the pandemic probably definitely extended their stay in Japan. They probably would have gone on an excursion probably a little bit sooner, but yeah, just being in Japan so long Then another young lion, Alex Coughlin, he's been doing his challenge series on new Japan strong, facing guys like Ishii and Josh Alexander um the unaired match with Josh Barnett. Like there's a a ton of bangers that he's had and that are coming up in his challenge match series. Yeah.
0: And even before the challenge match series, he was getting a lot of singles matches, guys like Matt Morris, stuff like that. So, I mean, he was, um, you know, the, the match with, uh, Clark Connors, I think, or, uh, Carl Fredericks, I should say. Uh, but I, I think he also beat, or he also wrestled Clark Connors this year. So he's gotten a lot of singles work. Um, this, like you stuff, said, the stuff over in Bloodsport as well. So, Alex Coglin is right on the cusp of probably graduating out of that uh, Dojo Young Lion role. And, you know, he, he also returned from injury, from a serious neck injury, and kind of um, improved his muscle work, his frame, um, and his intensity and his character work as well. Like, there was a time where he felt like kind of the third guy out of the L.A. Dojo Young Lions. And now he feels, to me, on par with Connors and Fredericks and maybe poised to go beyond them, depending on how things shake out. So, I mean, yes, definitely improved
1: yeah. vastly. Uh, two other guys I think we can kind of lump together, two Bullet Club guys, uh, Crown Jewel Chase Owens and Tama Tonga. Both of these guys were in the G1 this year. Chase first G1, Tama's first G1 in a couple of years, and both these guys worked really hard in their respective blocks. Tama Tonga was a uh, fiery babyface, wrestling without the shirt, hitting gun stuns out of nowhere, the superior flow. He did the, the rolling Death Valley driver bomb, and just had some really good matches. Chase Owens had that upset win over Tanahashi, got uh, screwed out of his U.S. title match, but uh, that was still kind of a big moment. He he worked really hard as hell well and had some really Solid matchups in his block. So both these Bull Club guys really did well this year.
0: Yeah. Other things to take note of I know people didn't like all the KOPW stuff with Chase Owens, but for my money, I really, really enjoyed the strat match with him and uh, Torriano. And I thought that that really stood out. And then obviously they had another feud just recently over KOPW, but he even won the KOPW provisional title this year. Yeah. uh, Which is like the first quote unquote championship singles that this guy's ever won so that's an improvement i think the thing with chase we've always known chase is good but this was the year where they didn't just rely on him as a utility guy but they gave him showcase matches and opportunities to step out um what's different between him and Tamatonga? tam is a guy who's always been talented but has faltered in the past when he's been given single spotlights in g1s so much to the point where we were, we kind of got off that bandwagon of like, why don't they push Tamatonga? And then he kind of went and redeemed himself in this year's G1. I mean, his body was incredible this year. He's yeah. really like gotten into fantastic shape. And like you mentioned, this wasn't the case of a guy who always had it and then uh, was given an opportunity. Sort of like Chase. This was a this was a guy who'd been given opportunities, squandered them. And was given another opportunity here and and people didn't expect much. And he overachieved and really exceeded what anybody expected out of him going into that G1. This is a career high for Tamatanga. So um, I think he's got a very good – even though most of his quote-unquote improved work is primarily G1-based, that's a high, high accolade. And I mean uh, he even beat – Kazushko Kata this year. So even from a kayfabe standpoint, you know, uh, he's really up there. So, yeah, (laughs) Um, another guy, obviously, we talked a bit about Jeff Cobb, but, you know, it can't be understated how improved he's become in terms of his stature in the company and his character within the company as well. And he's a guy that, you know, could I see him challenging or maybe even holding a world title somewhere down the line? Yes. And I didn't always used to say that about Jeff Cobb.
1: Yeah, this, like I said earlier, he really put everything all together. He had the tools, he put them all together. He's on a monster run right now. And I do think Osprey being out of the country did help his push in the G1 and kind of momentum he got there. So I think he's definitely going to be a standout guy in 2022.
0: Last two guys we have here, we've got Fred Rosser and Doki. And when I... Talk about two guys that are both on that. I'm not going back. Life. These are those two gentlemen. Both of these guys are like they ain't I'm going, never going back. back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, our man Doki man. No longer. He's not going back to those dirty, you know, mud shows in Mexico. This man is living big in Suzuki-gun in New Japan. This guy's had a lot of wild, crazy matches, especially the the match with Hiromu at a uh, Summer Struggle in August. That that crazy dive. From the turnbuckle to the, the gateway where he like bashed into the gate and dropped Kick Harome and was nuts. And this guy has been having some really great uh junior matches. He's there are kids dressing up like him. Uh he's he's got merch now. Like this guy, K Fabe and In Ring is just improving and getting better.
0: Well, both of these are guys that came from the outside. You know, Doki from the uh the slums of the Lucha Indies, and then Fred Rosser from, you know, more, most famously from WWE. And it's been years since he's been in any kind of prominent role, really. And both of them were derided when they first got into the company. And, you know, you look back uh, a calendar year from now, and I mean, I don't think that anyone would have expected them to be nominated for this award. So, I mean, that just tells you how they've elevated their stature within the standings. And uh, so much so to the point where Doki was on a short undefeated streak in Super Juniors this year. That would have never happened in years past. And they've even had like one of those six man tag team matches. The whole story of it was surrounding Doki and his redemption of himself and, you know, him trying to win the big one. They've they've really given him an opportunity to showcase himself. I mean yeah, he he, the match he pinned,
1: Didn't he pin Yoshihashi this year in that one of those six-man or multi-man matches? I don't remember possibly, but he
0: definitely had uh, an absolute banger this year with Hiromu, two within the same calendar year. So I mean, Doki. I mean, Doki's one of my leading candidates to win, but Fred is not far off. A guy who, like, we pretty much like just joked about when he first came in. We did not see him as a strong style guy. We did not see him as a New Japan guy. And you know, he's older. You know, time has passed. We, you know, we, we kind of joked about him being Black Cena, but dude, this guy is. For real.
1: Dude, yeah, he's about <laughs> like, that Ross life. Real. And yeah, he's been one of the focal points of New Japan Strong. He's got kind of like almost got one of the leaders in the quote unquote, you know, strong hunt tie. Teamed a lot with Rocky Romero, but this guy has improved so much in the ring, really acclimated to that strong style. Like we mentioned earlier, he had that long feud with Ren Narita and just like the disrespect and like the, the strong style that came out of that. Uh, the feud with uh, Tom Lawler and how hard hitting and personal that rivalry got in
0: bro that that feud is spilling over into this year's calendar year and it's already like the first early candidate for feud of the year for next year
1: yeah and a great angle coming out of that too with uh team filthy shaving uh his you know trademark afro
0: and, and you just think about it. he had great feuds all year he had the feud with fred ross or with uh hikaleo he had the feud with uh Tom Lawler, like you mentioned, he had the feud with Brenda Rita. So, I mean, they've found ways to utilize him in major roles, and he's been uh, succeeding every time.
1: Right, and, you know, he's getting ready to get that the strong title match, his second shot at Filthy Tom Lawler. So, definitely one of the top guys in New Japan strong, somebody that, that they gave a shot, and he took the ball, and he ran with it. <sighs> Great.
0: Well, that's going to do it for the Most Improved Award. So, next we've got the NJP. Uh, New Japan of America MVP. And uh, your candidates are as follows Clark Connors, Chris Dickinson, Carl Fredericks, Kenta, Filthy Tom Lawler, John Moxley, Ren Narita, Will Ospreay, Leo Rush, and the Switchblade, Jay White. So this is an interesting one where you've got a mix of New Japan proper. Domestic stars, you know, so – and when I say domestic stars, I mean guys that that have primarily worked and made their name in New Japan domestically on the Japanese side. So, you know, your guys like Jay White, Will Ospreay, to a certain extent, John Moxley, Kenta. But all of those guys have made an impact on New Japan Strong this year but maybe have worked less than your remaining, you know – Guys that are from New Japan of America who are primarily just working there and maybe in the Indies, not so much in Japan. So you got – that That would uh, delineate between your guys like Clark Connors, Chris Dickinson, Carl Fredericks, Tom Lawler, Renarita, and Leo Rush. So you've got quite a mix here, and I guess it kind of depends on what criteria you're using to determine what you think determines the MVP for this brand.
1: Right. Again, it's kind of similar to Like You're looking at uh, match quality, or you're looking at Are you're looking at promos, um, you're looking at angles. There's several different ways that you can look at this category and decide who you want to vote on. And, you know, you look at some of the key guys here. The, the L.A. Dojo is also a big connection with New Japan Strong and New Japan of America. So you have guys like Connors and Fredericks. Uh, Connor. And Narita, yeah. Connors winning the Lions Break crown, graduating, breaking out, um, and also this kind of big LA Dojo United Empire feud that's going on. Those three guys are kind of at like the top, you know, guys representing the LA dojo. Uh Fredericks, he had a strong tile shot this year, and he's kind of been the main one that was strong, was kind of built around at first, and then also Narita coming over and he, like we've talked about him and all the great stuff he's been doing.
0: Yeah, and then you know. Like I mentioned, some of these other guys, Jay White, Will Osprey, John Moxley, Kenta, they um, haven't worked as extensively on New Japan Strong, but they now that they've moved to like that live touring schedule, many of these guys are involved in big, high-profile matches during the tapings, um, or even like say the Resurgence show. So it seems like not only do they have strong tapings, but now they've gone to a model where maybe quarterly or every other month, there might be one big pay-per-view level New Japan Stro, And, you know, Jay White is a big, you know, um, presence on that. Um, so far, Will Ospreay has been as well. So they're kind of continuing their meaningful storylines throughout New Japan and kind of uh, allow, allowing some of that to amalgamate into the New Japan Strong um, space as well. But, you know, the, the one detraction for guys like Kenta and John Moxley and Jay White and Will Ospreay is that they just don't have the same um, volume of work in New Japan Strong as the rest of these guys. They're not the ones who are on the tapings.
1: Every, uh, every taping, every tour.
0: No, they're not. But what might make them more important is the, the value that they bring by adding their name to some of these bigger shows and some of the storylines that they've been involved in because we've seen things like United Empire versus LA Dojo kind of branch out because of Will Ospreay's involvement here, Jay White and his feud with uh, Tomohiro Ishii. right? Um, um, Kenta. Kenta and Jon Moxley facing off against one another. I mean, even though neither one of them have been – I'd say those two probably have the least involvement with New Japan Strong this year, but the hype of their one match – was so high that it was probably the most viewed episode the whole year, and maybe brought the most value and attention to the brand. And so, does for you? Does that weigh? You know what weighs more? You right. know And uh, also, I think
1: uh, Kenta had a couple red red briefcase defenses on Strong too before he went over to Japan. That's true too.
0: Yeah. So there's th- that's all there. And then you know you look at some of these other guys, Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler, and I'd say like those are two. If you're like real workhorses mm-hmm. of the division who are going, who've been in the tournaments. Um, I mean, Tom Lawler, he won the new Japan cup of USA this year, which the winner won the strong title. And then he made that strong title mean something by defending it time and time again in meaningful, great matches, you know, the likes of Brody King, Carl Fredericks, Chris Dickinson, Leo rush, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And he's been a dominant guy in the dominant faction. And Dickinson has been no slouch either. He's a guy that has, you know, maximized every minute that he's been on the screen. And, unfortunately, he did just get injured. So, you know, uh, who knows what 2022 looks like for him. But in 2021, this was a guy that was kicking ass, taking names. You know, that Minoru Suzuki match he had on the last uh, set of tapings in Philly really stands out as a highlight as well.
1: Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, and one last guy we haven't talked about is uh the man of the hour, Leo Rush. Um, you know, a big name That got released from WWE during the pandemic and made his way to New Japan called the man of Japan and you know he hasn't really been in a ton of like big future focal points but he's just a really dynamic wrestler his name value brought a lot of interest to uh, New Japan Strong he did have the feud with uh, filthy Tom Lawler that built to him getting a match at the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour so just kind of one of those big names, not, not quite like Jay White and Osprey and them, but he's a, a WWE name that brought some interest to Strong.
0: If, if, if you're talking about guys that have joined Strong that have the highest profile, who are true Strong guys, no one has had a bigger profile or bigger name than Leo Rush. Uh, a lot of it comes from his work in WWE, but also a lot of it comes from his crossover appeal from MTV's The Challenge. You know, right? If you do a quick quick Google search with him and all the other quote unquote top names in New Japan Strong, he's clearly the most visible and active guy. And then, um, you know, like you said, like just he's one of those guys that week in and week out, when he's on the show, he's one of the top performers. And, yeah, he, he wasn't utilized in a ton of feuds the way, say, Fred Rosser was, but he just quietly built a really great, you know, sneakily great resume and then uh, kind of culminated in the big feud with Fred Rosser. We'll see what goes on in 2022 for him because it looks like he might be becoming more – like his – I don't know what his contract status is with New Japan going forward, but it looks like he's becoming more of an AEW guy, and I think that might be the future. Uh, if I don't know if he continues to work with New Japan. remains to be seen, but um, – I mean, there's no denying the impact he made this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, So our next category is the Newcomer of the Year. So our nominees, Chris Dickinson, Kosei Fujita, Great Okon, Kevin Knight, J.R. Kratos, Fielding Tom Waller, Rihoi Oywa, Fred Rosser, and Leo Rush.
0: Yeah. So we got a lot of really, really great newcomers here this year. Uh, This is a much more robust category than last year's uh newcomer of the year category. That one was kind of open and shut. And in this case we had a lot of guys brought into strong. Um, and even some, you know, new young lions, things like that. Um, we've talked about a lot of them, but um some of the guys I'd like to highlight that we haven't really spoke about, Fujita and Oiwa, they yes. made their debut at the same time and have been so impressive as the new, you know, no gay dojo young lines. I mean, I can't speak highly enough of them. Very much looking forward to what they have to offer going into the next year.
1: Yeah, those guys are great. Also, uh, Kevin Knight, who joined the L.A. Dojo this year, uh, is a real athletic guy. He's improved uh, a lot as well. And he's been just fun to watch on strong. His leaping ability and just his speed in the ring is how quickly He's been picking up the pro wrestling. I don't believe he had any wrestling background at all, and he's just been uh, really great to watch on Strong. Uh,
0: another name that we haven't mentioned, Great Uh, We did talk about him earlier, but you know he did make his debut just prior to the G1 last year. Um, but we felt like he, or was it during? The, or no, he made his debut at the. It
1: was the G1. End G won finals. G won
0: finals, yes. And then he didn't work his first match back until was it, power struggle?
1: Yeah, against Okada.
0: Yeah. So we felt like even though he debuted, it was just too close to the end of the the grading period. And so we've kind of thrown him on this year's. We felt like that was more appropriate. So, you know, even though he's it felt like he, it feels like he's been here for a while. He really had just come back into the company during Tag League last year. That was like his true reintroduction to the company. So, you know, you can't discount Okan as far as impact that he's made. And then um, Jared Kratos, another guy we haven't really spoken too much about, and he's just fucking awesome a hoss of a guy Dude, who-
1: he's a freaky athlete man you would yep. think a guy his size and be able to move like he does like this guy is doing undertaker dives <laughs> over the, yeah. the ropes he's a great power you know the match he had with brody king and kojima he had like, these big like hoss battles he's a guy that if he gets more shine and more focused he could probably end up in a carl gotch uh nomination or a strong style fight of the year kind of thing
0: yeah, some of that ground and pound that he does and some of the uh, mixed martial arts emphasis and uh, kickboxing stuff that he's incorporated into his uh, repertoire really does l- lend itself very well to that Carl Gotch style of wrestling. But he um, he just hasn't had enough great singles matches this year to really uh, qualify him for that. But I wouldn't be surprised if next year something changes where we see more of him, especially as they're going more to a live touring schedule
1: right so he was getting a ton of heat on that philly taping that philly crowd was really hating him and booing him so i can definitely see some uh opportunities for him coming in 2022
0: yeah but other than that we've talked every, uh, extensively about everybody here the one thing i'd like, like to point out with lawler just dominance on the new japan strong brand That's the one thing I'd like to point out about him before we move on. (laughs) Uh, But that's going to do it for Newcomer of the Year. The next award, one of my favorites, the Fighting Spirit Award. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Fighting Spirit Award is the award where we nominate those individuals or situations or whatever it might be that really embody the fighting spirit that is New Japan Pro Wrestling. So whatever you find to be – inspirational or tear-jerking or, you know, that's kind of what we're looking for here. Someone that kind of went above and beyond, whether it be real life, kayfabe, what have you. And we've got our nominees here. So the first one, Abushi, um, his year as he won his first ever IWGP title and then uh, made it into his fourth G1 finals appearance. So kind of an amalgamation of those two things. Um, next, we have Desperado's breakout year. We talked about it. Multiple titles won, multiple shows drawn, stepping out as a, a, a main player in the uh, junior division. Next, we have the resurgence of Kojima or Cozy, as uh, Jeremy has written it here. And, you know, this is basically uh, a re emphasis and spotlight on Satoshi Kojima. You know, they said he was done, they said he was uh, done for, but this man's <laughs> out here, you know. Larian, shit. folks. Yes. Uh, next, we have Osprey becoming the first ever British IWGP champion. So amongst all the accolades, this is the one thing that kind of stands out as his defining Fighting Spirit Award nominee. Next, we have Shingo in his year being the New Japan Cup MVP, being the IW – or being the uh, G1 MVP, the first – uh, winning his first ever IWGP world title when it wasn't expected that he would. Um, so, you know, whatever that might mean to you guys. Next, we have Lo- uh, Filthy Tom Lawler winning the New Japan Cup USA and being awarded the strong open weight title at the uh, culmination of that uh, tournament. Next, we have Suji and Morris seven-match challenge series and what they went through with that together. After that, we've got ZSJ as he taps the top of the A block. So he beat all some of the the top contenders by various different submission methods that had to be mentioned. Um, next we have Jeff Cobb being the first ever to go 8-0 in the G1 climax as a guyjin or as any performer ever making history. After that we have Minoru Suzuki's US excursion tour. This man went on went went on vacation in the states and inflicted violence upon the world did,
1: did, did his own G1. <laughs> then we've got the Castrio's
0: 454 day rain that just recently ended making history, and then finally, Katsuyori Shibata's first match in four years as he wrestles an exhibition match against uh Zach Sabre Jr. Unexpectedly,
1: yeah, a ton of great uh moments here. Again, I feel like this is another one that's kind of wide open and. Again, depending on what you vote for, are you are you the more emotional guy? You're going to go for you know Shibata coming back first match in four years. Or are you looking at the guys that are working really hard like Shingo and Ishi and I uh, mean Shingo Abushi and Osprey, who all had great years and great accolades.
0: Yeah, and I mean you know the the funny thing with Shibata is like he hasn't wrestled in four years, but he seems to somehow, some way every year, either get a fighting spirit nominee or. An angle. Or, or an angle of the year nominee. Like this guy hasn't even been wrestling. So, you know, this this man's never not going to embody fighting spirit in some way. But, I mean, I, I think I feel like with me reading these off, I kind of um, gave a brief summary of each one of them. But I don't know if there's any that you want to point out. I don't have much more to say. I no, think
1: each... I, think, I think you did a great job summing it up. I think each one kind of explains it in itself. So I think we can uh, move on to the next category. Uh, The Young Boy of the Year Award. Several great young lions here. Alex Coglin, the DKC, Kosei Fujita, Gabriel Kidd, Kevin Knight, Ryohei Oiwa, Yota Suji, and Yuya Yuamura.
0: Yeah, with this award, uh, it is exactly what it sounds like. Who do you think was the standout Young Lion of the Year? And I mean... Unless you're watching the young lions, you might not be able to uh, <laughs> give a, a clear and correct answer. But um, you know, if history's told us anything, typically the individual out of the no gate dojo that is putting in the most work and kind of being booked as like the top of that class, typically is the guy that usually gets the nod here. But um, there's a few things to kind of take into consideration. I'd say Alex Coughlin is, you know, based more out. Uh, out of actually, him and Kevin Knight
1: in the DKC. and the
0: DKC, those are more of your LA Dojo guys. So they're doing more of their work in New Japan Strong. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how people perceive Kevin Knight and DKC as their newer young lions versus Alex Coughlin, who seems to be sort of at the end of his arc as a lion, and he's already in the midst of his challenge series right now. Then you've got you know Suji Numura, who were kind of more traditionally your top no gay guys, but they've both recently left before the grading period ended. So the fact that they weren't there the whole year, you wonder if that's going to detract for them at all. Uh, Gabe kid is a guy that was in the new Japan cup. He had some really amazing bangers this year. I think he's got uh, a good uh, like candidacy, but he also was missing from the calendar for uh, a good portion of the year. He just recently cut that promo. About his mental health issues and how the uh, pandemic affected him. And you wonder if that's going to endear him to those that maybe have heard that promo or know about it, or if his uh, inactivity is going to hurt him when it comes to this award. And then, you know, Fujita and Oiwa, those two guys just came into the company, <clears throat> but already racked up, a, a you know, 22, 23 matches on tape. And uh, you wonder if that's going to be enough to endear them to the voters or not.
1: Yeah I mean those guys have absolutely killed it With just the short amount of time that they've been In New Japan and we talked About it like it's how great standout young lines They've been for such a short time And little experience yeah A ton of great young lines once again If you're not watching strong you might slight Coglin and DKC And Kevin Knight but all three of those guys Are doing great work as well as the Noge Dojo guys Great. Well,
0: that's going to bring us to the next category. This is one of my favorite categories. Me and Jeremy – I think it was the last category me and Jeremy locked up. Yeah. The strong style fight of the year. Always one of the toughest categories for us to uh, decide on. So we have – and keep in mind, folks, again, another reminder. This is not the wrestling match of the year. That that category already exists. This is for that fight that was – the best fight of the year the one that was the most visceral most violent most realistic most embodied fighting spirit the one that made you say oh shit you know <laughs> you might not call it the match of the year classic but
1: he was violent it's, gritty it's
0: fuck it's violent it's gritty it's, it's raw real, it, it's raw yeah it's that real man match so um with no further ado our our candidates we have jeff cobb versus shingo takagi wrestle kingdom 15 John Moxley versus Kenta from New Beginning in USA on Strong, Minoru Suzuki versus Tomoaki Hanma New Japan Cup, Chris Dickinson versus Rendarita New Beginning in USA, Chris Dickinson versus Tom Lawler from Collision New Japan Strong, Jeff Cobb versus Kota Ibushi from Dominion, Yuji Nagata versus Tomohiro Ishii the Road to or from Kazuna Road. Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi, G1 Climax 31. Great Okan versus Kota Ibushi, G1 Climax 31. Kenta versus Zack Sabre Jr., G1 31. Ren Narita versus Tom Lawler, Autumn Attack. And Chris Dickinson versus Minoru Suzuki from Showdown.
1: Holy fuck. Wow, what a list. And we we (laughs) narrowed this down from over 30. 30 nominees, we literally went through every single show of the year to make sure we did not miss any potential fights of the year, and like I said, over 30, there was a lot of hard-hitting uh, strong style fights this year But we believe that we've narrowed it down To the best of the best And similar to the Carl Gotch Strong style award You're seeing a lot of new faces Based on what's going on On New Japan Strong Those guys we mentioned, Dickinson and Lawler And Narita, those guys have been killing it there And you're seeing some of their fights uh, Show up here The Dickinson-Lawler collision match um, That happened, the title match The uh, Dickinson Suzuki match that just happened in Philly, the Narita Lawler rematch that happened at Autumn Attack in Texas. So these guys, that that strong style. If you love strong style, I mean, New Japan Strong is a show for you. These guys are killing it, especially on these these big title matches and blowoff matches. Well, there's a changing narrative that's kind
0: of gone on, <clears throat> excuse me, gone on in the last uh, year or so when it comes to New Japan of USA, and we kind of talked about this when. New Japan Strong first became a thing. You know, you primarily saw high flyers. You know, your Blake Christians, your Alex Zanes, Mysterioso. ACH. You know, ACH, Quest, all these guys that could really fly. That was sort like it, it was almost like a, a, a an extension of the junior division uh, in the early days. And as time has gone on, we've seen a lot of those guys maybe n- – not the ones I name necessarily, but we've seen – them start to use less of those guys. Maybe some of them got signed, maybe some of them left. And as they've kind of filled the void, you know, what New Japan's done, instead of hiring every, you know, WWE guy that comes with a high contract, you know, or, you know, what have you, your free agents on the market, it seems that they've really honed in on guys that with maybe smaller profiles who fit, a certain style of realistic wrestling, you know, right? And I'm not saying across the board. I mean, Fred Rosser maybe doesn't fit this mold, and maybe Leo Rush doesn't fit this mold. So there is a variety, but I mean, dude, Chris Dickinson, Filthy Tom Lawler, you know, Fred Yehai, uh,
1: Wheeler Utah,
0: Wheeler Utah, Royce Isaacs. Uh, there's a lot of just shoot style guys that have come in, and I and then you kind of look at the way that. Uh, Uh, Shibata is bringing up these LA Dojo Young Lions and it really and then not only that but like Rocky Romero's influence obviously he can do a lot of junior flying stuff but we talked to him on the show about his experience in in the dojo with Inoki in the past and you know how that kind of has influenced and I I think that probably influences the kind of guys that he likes to bring in as well and um, that's sort of the interesting thing with strong style fight of the year there's a lot of matches here that maybe. Because keep in mind, strong is a one hour show typically, or it was until the recent format change. Maybe some of these 12 to 15 minute matches don't have the length, the audience, and the platform to qualify for like match of the year. But when it comes to sheer hard hitting violence, they're outperforming in terms of violence and realism, many of the actual great matches in New Japan proper. That house style isn't so much about that life. Right. And that's kind of why you're seeing like a mix here. And it's it's kind of a refreshing mix where you're getting some of these bigger G1 matches with guys like Okana and Nobushi going head-to-head with like Dickinson and Tom Lawler from Collision. You know what I mean? Right. It's really cool.
1: And, and I feel like the, the strong guys, they had to – up the intensity majority of the year, they were still empty arena up until August. So yeah. you, in the empty arena environment, you have to be snug. You have to be hit hard. You have to make the, the matches more violent to ignore the fact that there is no crowd. You want those chops and strikes to ring out to that, that studio. And that's exactly what was happening up until August before they got back in front of fans.
0: Yeah, and I don't think we should spend a lot of time on each match, but um, we've talked about some of them, but Moxley and Kenta... Lots of hype behind it. It did not uh, disappoint, and uh, you know the the table spots. Kenta giving the the middle finger to John Moxley. I thought this match ruled.
1: Yeah, uh, Nagata and Ishi. That was part of the Chaos Third Generation Dad Feud for the Never oh. Man titles. Um, it was the main event of that Kazuna Road Show, and boy, man, Blue Justice. He's he's been having a good year, and him and Ishi just were slapping the crap out of each other. Uh, big suplexes. It, it was a great, hard hitting matchup.
0: Yeah, we almost threw Nagata into the Carl Gatcha War just based off that one performance. Yeah. <laughs> um, Suzuki versus Hanma from New Japan Cup. People slept on that shit. Like, it, that doesn't sound like it would be incredible. It's fucking incredible. <laughs>
1: yeah. That dude. <laughs> like,
0: it's really hard hitting. Like, it it's is. Kinda...
1: Anytime those two guys wrestle, it, it's always a great matchup.
0: <laughs> but like we mentioned, the strong stuff, Rhonda Rita and Chris Dickinson. Oh my God. That ruled Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler from a uh, collision was just like a mix of like, you know, strong style mixed with shoot style mixed with some of the best of like indie work. I mean, that's, got to be one of my leading contenders
1: yeah dickinson and suzuki from philadelphia showdown i mean we know how much dickinson oh. who had him on the show how much he loves japanese pro wrestling and the history and for him to be able to wrestle a, a legend like suzuki was big for him and he went out there and they slapped the cra- crap out of each other you saw the, the sweat flying all over the place hitting each other harder several like submissions built in with suzuki's mma background and these guys just went out there and had a banger
0: Cobb and Abushi from Dominion was my favorite match of the night. I liked it better than the main event. And it, like Abushi barely survived Jeff Cobb, but like they really mixed in, you know, grappling and the amateur roots of like Jeff Cobb and then yeah, that match just fucking rules. It's it's awesome. Um there's a lot of great G1 stuff here that you've got on the on the ballot. Yeah. You t- know, Ishii, Shingo, we talked about. Oh, O'Kan and Abushi, which is like such a UWFI throwback.
1: Yeah, that match again. That that style that Okan just brings is such an interesting style, and in how he mixes with some of these New Japan guys. He does not wrestle that in-house traditional main event counter counter reversal. Like he's a very brutal, stiff strikes. He'll try and get you in his guard. He'll do some submissions. Like this guy, he, he's awesome.
0: Kenta kicked the shit out of Zack Saber Jr. To, to basically take the g1 away from him
1: <laughs> yeah kenta uh, that was the one match where kenta kind of played it straight you know his g1 was littered with you know turnbuckle spots foot on the ropes and shenanigans and this was the one match where like it was like noah kenta and he was just slapping the crap out of zach kicking the crap out of zach and uh got the win
0: uh narita and tom lawler had two matches that both could have been nominated for this list, but we went with the Autumn Attack match, which was probably the superior of their two matches, but God, did these guys fucking rule against one another this year. Like, I want more Narita, I want more Lawler, I want more Chris Dickinson, I want some Freddie Yehi thrown in there. Like, give me that shit, you Yeah, know? I
1: think after that yehi J White match, like, that match, to, to me, it should get him some more bookings and more spotlights and strong.
0: Bro, we were not far off from putting that match on this list. Right. <laughs> So that's going to do it for the strong style fight of the year
1: So next up we have the junior match of the year And remember the grading period starts from last year's Super Junior in World Tag League So you're going to see a lot of last year's Super Juniors matches uh, in this category right here So first we have Hiromu Takahashi versus Taiji Ishimori from Best of Super Junior 27 uh, November 15th then we have El Desperado versus Hiromu Takahashi, the first matchup in Best Super Junior 27th from November 18th. Then we have Robbie Eagles versus Show from Super Juniors uh, November 20th. then Hiromu Takahashi versus Robbie Eagles from the 29th from Super Juniors. then Hiromu Takahashi versus Show from December 2nd from Super Juniors. then the big Super Junior finals from December 11th with Desperado versus Hiromu Takahashi. Then we move on to Wrestle Kingdom 15, where it's featured Hiromu Takahashi versus Taichi Ishimori. Then Castle Attack had Bushi versus El Sperado versus uh, El Phantasma for the junior title. Then Wrestle Grand Slam and Met Light Dome featured Hiromu Takahashi versus Robbie Eagles. And then our last nominee from Summer Struggle, uh, August 27th, Doki versus Hiromu Takahashi.
0: Yeah, and one thing too, this isn't something we've harped on this year. Uh, when we are nominating... Match of the Year candidates for the you know for the wrestling match of the year or for the junior match of the year. This is not just strictly based on Jeremy's ratings or my arbitrary opinions. It's not just me and Jeremy coming up with this. We use uh, an extensive amount of outside ratings and reviews from aggregate sites like Cage Match and Grapple. We also look at Dave Meltzer's ratings. We also look at 411 Mania. We look at Voice of Wrestling. We look at the whoever is out there covering this stuff extensively that's what we go by so I when you look at this there's a lot of Hiromu yeah I mean a lot of Hiromu and it's not because we're Hiromu fanboys it's because this man was out here like really having these (laughs) having these matches but the funny thing is like even though there's a lot of great quote-unquote junior matches much of this and I'm just being honest feels to me like it would have Maybe not even really made the cut in other years for nominees.
1: Right, a, a strong year like 2019, where you you had your, your Osprey and Shingo, you had Dragon Lee in the mix and Dragon Lee Haromu and you uh, just didn't
0: have that kind of level of quality of uh, of classics. I do think this is a better mix than last year's Junior Match of the Year mix. Yeah, um, and it's it's I'm not besmirching these matches. You're still somewhere in the four. To four and a half, probably for the majority, not for all, but for the majority.
1: Yeah, the average. These, yeah.
0: That's the average. Yeah. But, you know, there's very few like top, top end junior matches where it's like, oh my God, you've got to go out of your way to see it. That being said, man, there's a lot of Horomu here.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hiromu, he's the ace of the division for a reason. Um, you know that super juniors man he killed it he was featured in several mains and semi mains and he had a ton of great matches He pretty much gave everybody their best match I remember grapple put their, their infographic out and like His star rating average against everybody was in that four star or above range like he just absolutely killed it And then throughout the year too, I mean he did have um, some injuries and missed some time But he still had great matches, you know that the tokyo Dome match with Ishimori. Then you, he comes back the the MetLife Dome match with Robbie Eagles, which was a hard environment to work in, and still had a, a great match there. And then the Summer Struggle match with Doki, which is absolutely nuts. These guys were just doing some crazy spots and dives, and that was a spectacular matchup.
0: Yeah, um, it is it is interesting how most of what's on here really revolves around Hiromu and Desperado, and. You know they had two matches against one another in the Super Juniors that were both extremely highly rated. Um, you know I think there's no way to get around it. Desperado versus Hiromu is probably going to be a favorite on many people's ballots based off of the ratings that we've seen and based off the opinions. But there is also there could be a recency bias because that match happened a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know how many people are going to recall. I mean, that's going to be a tough, tough ask because we don't really usually see matches from November or December taking the awards later on in the year. So that's going to be the interesting thing with that aspect of it. But I mean, there's no denying the impact that Super Junior's finals had last year. Um, Then again, you've also got Hiromu versus Ishimori in the dome. And just by... uh, Virtue of being on the biggest stage of the year at Wrestle Kingdom, that might elevate the chances of a match like Hiromu and Ishimori uh, taking the win here. Um, right. Especially
1: since, th- like, so many people, that was like the favorite junior match from that weekend. People did not like right. the uh, Hiromu ELP title match compared to what, like, me, you, and Rich rated that match. So the ELP. Yeah, weird.
0: The t- we, we all gave it four.
1: Yeah. We were like four stars flat. You, you look at cage match, you look at grapple, that, that thing is like three-and-a-half, three-and-a-quarter stars. Uh, so people were very hard on that match, but people loved the, the Ishimori match from um, day two. Yeah, and that match,
0: just in uh, tra- full transparency, like, it barely didn't make the cut. I-, I mean, if one of these matches hadn't happened, it probably would have been on this list. That's how close we thought it was, even though the vast majority didn't <laughs> agree with us. Yeah. But we still kind of, like I mentioned, we... uh we rely on the, the aggregates. So, um, Bushi versus Desperado versus El Fantasma from castle attack, I think is a match that's a little bit underrated and overlooked and was one of those defining matches in the early part of the year where, you know, this is where Desperado finally won the big one. And yeah, I think that's another, uh, great moment that, you know, deserves a, a, maybe a reexamination from the voters. Yeah. um, One last thing, if you'll notice, uh, even though Desperado and Robbie Eagles were like probably the top two guys carrying the division, especially in uh, Hiromu's absentee while he was injured, many of their title defenses were kind of seen in a lower light than much of what happened during Super Juniors this past year and just kind of barely got edged out from making this list. Um, But they, you know, I do want to say they weren't far off
1: Right, they definitely had some um, nominees in there that we initially cut But again, I think the the graders were very hard on the junior division this year With a very critical eye There were some matches where we had rated higher The consensus had rated lower And uh, I mean, there weren't bad matches for whatever reason The consensus was just much lower on a lot of the junior matches this year
0: Yeah, and that's one thing going back to the junior of the year talk uh, you know, oftentimes I'll look at, you know, for instance, I'll look at the junior match- matches of the year, see whose name shows up the most, and think to myself, oh, they probably are the junior of the year. And in this case, that'd be Hiromu. But when you take into consideration that f- six of the matches that are nominated here all happened during Best of the Super Juniors, which was essentially a one month period, it kind of is a little misleading. It doesn't tell the full story of the year. You know what I mean? Right. And it depends on how much emphasis you put on Super Juniors, especially this type of Super Juniors where it's in November. It's a single-block tournament. You know what I mean? So that's one thing. It this Looking at this list, it does not tell the full story because it doesn't include the reigns of Desperado and Eagles who still had excellent reigns and really carried the division in, in Hiromu's absentee. But uh, there's some great stuff here. Like you mentioned, Doki Hiromu. They fucking killed it. Yeah. And, and Hiromu, you know, was out there still having bangers. So, I mean, this is going to be a tough one. I don't know who's going to win it. It, it kind of depends on what the uh, tastes and trends of the voters are going to be this year.
1: Yeah. So,
0: we've got the tag team match of the year. And, uh, you know, go back into uh, – into uh, this one's always a little bit harder because I feel like people don't always remember all these matches. But we want to put a spotlight on the great work that was done by the tag teams this year. So, Go into uh, your lists, pull out the notebooks, check your star ratings, <laughs> pull out your grapple app because uh, there's some really good stuff here. But we're going to go over it very quickly. So we've got uh, World Tag League, November 19th. Goto and Yoshihashi versus the Dangerous Techers. From the World Tag League finals, the Grills of Destiny versus Finn Juice in that finals match. From Road to New Beginning, Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi defended the six-man titles against Jay White. And God from Road to New Beginning. From Road to Dantaku, April twentieth, we have Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi defending the the six man titles against Kenta Ishimori and yujiro From Road to Dominion, June second, we have Bushi, Sonata, and Naito as they challenge for the six man titles against Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi. From Summer Struggle, July eleventh, twenty twenty one, we have Sonata, Naito. Uh, as they take on the Dangerous Techers for the IWGP heavyweight titles, tag titles, from Wrestle Grand Slam and Tokyo Dome, the rematch as Sonata and Naito defend the IWGP heavyweight titles against the Dangerous Techers. From Summer Struggle, August 1st, we have Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi defending the six-man titles against Minoru Suzuki and Dangerous Techers. From Summer Struggle, August 10th, we have Bushi and Sonata and Naito Challenging for the six-man titles against Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi. And then from Wrestle Grand Slam in the MetLife Dome, we have the three-way tag team title match as Goto and Yoshihashi. Uh, Challenge against Sonata Naito versus the Dangerous Techers for the IWGP heavyweight tag team
1: titles. And one thing that pops out like a a sore thumb to me is just the amount of times that Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi Are on this list again I know they're not your traditional Two-man unit they're a three-man unit But you can't uh, Undermine the, the work they did In their reign and the matches they had here I mean the, the match so Jay White against G.O.D The, the Kenta, Yujiro, Ishimori match Them against L.I.J They had two of those um, the, the three-way of Goto and Yoshihashi Like these guys dominated in that six-man division and all their matches are great and yeah they they may have invented a lot like the road to new beginning road to don taku road to dominion but those are still great matchups
0: yeah there's 10 nominees here five of them are never open weight six-man tag team title defenses involving the chaos trio and then when you consider that they were already six-man tag team title holders coming out of last year's grading period so they were already an established six-man unit so they had that world tag league match against the Dangerous Techers so that counts two that's six and then you look at the uh, the three-way tag at uh Wrestle Grand Slam that's seven matches involving you know either the trio or two thirds of the trio so i mean that's kind of my argument as to <laughs> as to their candidacy for tag team of the year but a lot of fucking matches from them that stand out here and then you look at the matches with uh, the Dangerous Techers and all the times that they were the foils to the Chaos Trio for that six-man tag team title, plus the series of matches that they had with L.I.J., Sonata, and Naito, they're almost on here as much as the Chaos Trio.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dangerous Checkers again, we talked about earlier, they are like the traditional tag team focal point. They were pretty much in all the tag team programs this year, either as champions or challenging um, for the titles, and so you see several of that littered throughout this category here.
0: Yeah, they show up five times on this list. Uh, not always as traditional tag team, but you know, twice they challenged for the six man titles uh, with Doki and with Suzuki, and then you combine those two matches with the two matches they had with Lij in straight one on ones. You know, plus uh, the match that they had with uh, the the three-way, the World Tag League. Like, you know, they were out here like really fucking mixing it up. So, uh, Actually, no, I'm sorry. I think that Doki match is on this year's great. It's probably from last year. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but they definitely had the Suzuki one. So, yeah, they show up five times here. So, there's a lot. And, again, this list really comes down to what your favorite tag team match of the year is. Um,
1: and, and what you watched. If you, if you and what you watch, If you didn't watch those road twos, if you didn't catch a lot of those six-man defenses, you might be like, oh, that's Cap. I'm voting for Techers. I'm voting for Sonata and Naito.
0: Some of those uh, six-man tag team title matches do stand out to me as being like some of the best tag team matches of the year. But because there's such an abundance of them, it makes you wonder if they're going to cancel each other out and people mm. are going to have a hard time either remembering which ones stood out to them Or, uh, you know, basically split the votes, votes. whereas, you know, we've seen a tendency in the past for the major shows with the major heavyweight tag team titles to kind of get more um, exposure. So I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if one of the even though I probably don't think it's not like the LIJ Tackers matches were maybe that much better than a lot of the chaos six man defenses. Because they were on Grand Slam, because they were on, you know, these uh, Summer Struggle tour shows, they might get that nod, you know? Right. So, I don't know who's going to win here, but, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, this was a great year for tag team wrestling in New Japan.
1: It was. A lot of great work from the Chaos Trio and a lot of great work from Dangerous Techers really helped bolster this division up.
0: Awesome. Well... The next one is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, the excursion match of the year. Several great nominees here. We have Job Moxley versus Josh Barnett from Bloodsport April 8th, Mania Weekend. We have John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Young Bucks from AEW, May 30th. We have TJP versus Josh Alexander, the Iron Man that happened on Impact on June 3rd. John Moxie versus Lance Archer from the July 21st Dynamite, the U.S. title Texas Deathmatch rematch. Then we had Wheeler Wheeler, Utah versus Daniel Garcia from IWTV August 8th. Then we had the Savageweight Freddie A. High versus Josh Alexander, A.A.W. September 2nd. Will Ospreay versus Ricky Knight Jr. from Rev Pro High Stakes September 19th. Minoru Suzuki versus the American Dragon Brian Danielson from uh, 10-15. Then Will Ospreay versus Scotty Davis from OTT October 30th. And then the last nominee, Will Ospreay versus the Amazing Red from House of Glory November 12th. Right at the cutoff.
0: Yeah, literally on the last day of the grading period, they they had a match. (laughs) So, I mean, this was – it was interesting because – I think I did most of my extensive tracking work prior to April and then none of that stuff even like made the cut because (laughs) everything started – once things opened up in the US quite a bit after April, it really created an opportunity for more of this stuff to kind of take place. Um, As you'll notice, John Moxley's work in uh, AEW and then in Bloodsport, that stuff made the cut. There was some stuff he did uh, outside in like GCW – um, that was kind of considered, but just quite didn't make it. And then, um, you know, at the tail end of the year, Will Osprey started doing work in OTT House Glory Repro, and really started to kind of come into his own. Um, Suzuki had an extensive excursion tour in the U.S. that we talked about. He had some really great matches. I think the the one that we cut that was on the cusp was the match with Daniel Garcia. But um, ultimately, some of this stuff. When we're doing the grading, we do take a look at how much exposure the matches have gotten. And if there's not as much coverage and as many grades and ratings, it's hard. You know, it's not just about the quality of the match, but it also has to do with the stage and who's seen it. And for for anyone that's wondering, if you don't know what the excursion match of the year, if you haven't figured out by now, it has to be a new Japan guy. They have to fit into that criteria we mentioned earlier, five matches throughout the calendar year. And then the match has to take place outside of New Japan, so the, that's why we call it Excursion Match of the Year, the best match outside of New Japan involving New Japan wrestlers. And this is the list we came up with, and I think it's a fucking great
1: list. Yeah, it's an awesome list, and that that five match rule also that that brought in Wheeler Utah on the list, Fred Yeh on the list, uh, John Moxley with his reign, and he did have some uh, strong appearances throughout the year as well. So you saw guys like that get on the list. Um, And yeah, it's a really great list. I think probably one of the favorites is going to be Suzuki versus uh, Brian Danielson from Rampage. And just what an awesome random dream match that was. Like, out of nowhere, that getting booked and just what an awesome, hard-hitting match that was.
0: Now, I, I wouldn't say personally that I think for sure that that is the best excursion match of the year. But we've seen in the past that the stage really does matter. You know, there there have been times where I felt like better matches were on the list for excursion match of the year. But if less people saw it, it didn't have the same platform, uh, maybe didn't get the same consideration. And, you know, this AW match from Rampage was very hyped. It was right in the midst of that uh, ratings battle that was going on between WWE Smackdown and uh, Friday Night Rampage. So there might even be some of that, plus just the the, the bump in popularity that Suzuki kind of got here in the US by being involved with AEW
1: so yeah
0: that that might play into it
1: and, and one great thing with the Forbidden Door being open we're seeing a lot more outside promotion matches being uploaded onto New Japan World so there's a little bit of an easier access to some of these matches like the Will Ospreay versus Ricky Knight Jr. match which is absolutely incredible Love that match. That's available on New Japan World. Suzuki Bryan's available on New Japan World. TJP, Josh Alexander, available on New Japan World. A lot of these great matches are easy for us to watch.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, if you haven't – now, I will say this. If you haven't seen Will Ospreay's work, um, my recommendation – and I don't usually say this, but I would say you need to go out of your way. And watch the ricky knight jr match you need to go out of your way and watch the scotty davis match and you need to go out of your way and watch the amazing red match because for my money and i don't usually say this but i will tell you this i think all three of those matches are better than everything else on this <laughs> <list>. <laughs> and i'm dead ass serious when i say that and i'll tell you this i think the scotty davis match from ott's uh seventh or ninth what is it their seventh anniversary i think or ninth i can't remember that scotty davis will osprey match is probably the match that the least amount of people have seen but the most people need to go see so like this is your low key you know um last year he had that really great match from um melbourne city wrestling that we uh mentioned i actually can't remember who it was he wrestled Uh, last year
1: oh the panzer
0: nope nope chris panzer was against uh eagles Eagles last year. But remember he had that really fucking awesome Melbourne City match in Australia. Yeah. It's, it's on, it's, it's on our awards, but uh this is like that, this Scotty Davis match. If you guys haven't seen it, I would say go out of your way, watch it. The amazing red match. If you saw Will Ospreay wrestle uh, amazing red in the new Japan cup uh, a couple years ago, this is on the same level as that match. And then um, the Will Ospreay, Ricky Knight Jr. Again, that match Oh, uh, D-
1: Dowie me. James.
0: Dowie James, yes. Um, Osprey against Ricky Knight Jr. was super hyped because it wasn't just Osprey against Ricky Knight Jr. This was a rematch of a match that they'd had in November, which I actually, we actually had a cut. I thought it was just as good, but um, they did a, a huge title tournament to take the old Southside heavyweight British title ricky knight won it they amalgamated it they called it the rev pro british title and so now they've got two Red pro british titles and they need to unify him to make it undisputed again and will osprey takes on this uh young this young kid and ricky knight jr and they go out there and they fucking tear the house down again and uh the atmosphere was very awesome it's just special you know like those three matches i don't think a lot of people have seen them but um you need to. If you haven't seen him you need to.
1: Yeah, I I love the Osprey Ricky Knight Jr. match. I need to watch the Scotty Davis match. Uh but yeah, Osprey just killing it. Um the TJP Josh Alexander that that Iron Man was pretty good from Impact. I really enjoyed that one.
0: Well, the 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 interesting thing here is we got three John Moxley matches and two of them for, are from AEW, one of them's from Bloodsport WrestleMania weekend. So there's a lot of hype and exposure for his matches. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that they're the most deserving. Uh, let me say it this way. They're very, very highly rated and they've been seen by a lot of people. So I think that they'll do well in the voting, but I don't know if I necessarily think they're better than say, Will Osprey's big singles matches here, but they actually probably have a better shot of winning than most of the, the really great Will Osprey matches, uh, we were there live for Moxley and Barnett, and that was a fucking yeah, that was
1: brutal. Bath. That was an awesome match.
0: And Moxley had a lot of other matches. We had to cut like the Davy Boy Smith Jr. match, um, all all sorts of stuff. The Kenny Omega matches, like he
1: dude, yeah, Moxley. Uh, he's been doing a, a ton of stuff in and outside of AEW that really we had a lot of great stuff that we had to cut. Yeah. Uh,
0: The Moxley-Eddie Kingston versus Young Bucks match was one of the top two or three tag matches of the whole year anywhere in the world. So, I mean, um, there is that. That might be his most highly rated match here on this list. The only thing is, a lot of the story of that match was more revolving around Kingston and the Bucks and less around Moxley. So, I don't know how that might uh, affect people's voting on that.
1: Yeah. But I definitely think yeah the AEW matches are going to get a lot of love here. But definitely do your fa- do a do a favor to yourself, guard your watch all these matches um, on this category before you vote.
0: And then and then obviously the Archer match was super super hyped. The you know the last man standing uh, slash Texas death match. Um, you know, stipulation helped a lot. The fact it was on uh, highly publicized Dynamite helps a lot. And then the fact that it was a big rematch of Wrestle Kingdom from years past and the violence and brutality and also the fact that a lot of people didn't think Lance Archer was going to win. And then so the big upset, like, that was a very, very special moment. Yeah,
1: people uh, were She win They thought Mox was going to get the big win. We were going to get uh, Mox versus Tana at Resurgence. But, yeah, big upset from Archer. Archer gets to move on to Tanahashi. Do a little bit more strong work there, so...
0: Now these last three are the ones I think least the least amount of people have seen, and that's gonna be TJP versus Josh Alexander from Impact, Wheeler Utah from Daniel Garcia from IWTV 100, and Freddie Ahy versus Josh Josh Alexander from AAW. But if you know the guys involved, I mean, two of them involve Josh Alexander. He's a fucking badass, right? Man.
1: He's proved himself a lot this year, and he's been on Strong. He's been on. He was on Battle in the Valley. Like this guy's a, a badass. Like he's a guy that. I think if he's, if he's used on strong more, he's going to be in, in strong style. Uh, Carl Gotcha Ward. He's going to have some more strong style fights. Very stiff, very realistic uh, style of wrestler here. I agree.
0: Now, the interesting thing: every all three of these matches, um, actually, the the Iron Man match was what? Was that a thirty minute or was that a one hour?
1: It was a one hour.
0: Okay, all three of these matches are one hour. Um, the the Wheeler to Daniel Garcia match was an Iron Man match that that had multiple falls, went full hour. TJP, Josh Alexander, the same thing. So you've got two Ironman matches on this list, which I think is one of the reasons why they're so beloved and endeared. And then the Fred Yehi, Josh Alexander was at Broadway. So it wasn't an Ironman match, but it was rated as the uh, best match of AAW in Chicago this year. So those three, I think less people have seen, and they've got the uh, biggest barrier of entry just based on the amount of time you have to commit to watching them. But I will tell you this, you won't regret it. And in fact, TJP versus Josh Alexander might be the highest rated one out of the three of them because it's got more people that have seen it because of the fact it's on YouTube and it's on New Japan World and everything like that. Um, But I mean, dude, look at this list. I mean, Bloodsport, AEW, Impact, IWTV, AAW, RevPro, OTT, House of Glory. We've got eight different promotions that are kind of represented here. So it's not just... An AEW fest, you know, we didn't just put all of John Moxley's best. Yeah, it wasn't, <laughs> AEW it wasn't yeah, on there. the greatest
1: hits of Moxley. Yeah, we we did the work. We we found where these guys were working this year and, and picked the best of the best. A lot of breakout guys like Wheeler Utah, Daniel Garcia, Yehai, and Josh Alexander, and Ricky Knight Jr. Getting some shine here. The veterans, obviously Osprey and Mox and TJP Suzuki, Danielson, those guys getting their shine as well.
0: Great. So then uh, the second to last award nominee, we've got the angle of the year. And this, again, it's the best angle, either post-match segment, promos, attacks, anything like that. The thing that stands out as that special storytelling moment for the year. And uh, the nominees are as follows. The United Empire sends Tenzan out on a stretcher January 6th at New Year's Dash. Then we've got New Japan invades NJPW Strong and attacks Kenta and the Bullet Club. That was from New Japan Strong, January 29th. We've got Jay White returning and attacking Ishii on February 1st. That's the road to new beginning, I believe. Uh, Yo returns from injury on March 21st, 2021. That was an unexpected segment where he made his return pre-show on that same show, March 21st, 2021. Oh, so this is from New Japan Cup, right? Uh,
1: secured, uh, yeah, New Japan Cup, yeah, finals.
0: Oz Oscutters, B. Priestley, out of the United Empire. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, some people don't think that should be included, but it was one of the biggest and most talked about angles of the year, so it's got to be nominated. Um, April 4th, 2021, Hanare is Mr. X. He joins the United Empire, Aaron Hanare. Then we've got um, May 16th. Chris Dickinson gets ejected from Team Filthy on New Japan Strong. July 27th, we have Cobb's assault on Okada in a shocked Corkin Hall attack. On August 14th, 2021, we have Osprey returning at Resurgence with the real world title. And then September 4th, 2021, Show attacks Yo and joins the Bullet Club. And that's kind of a mix of him both attacking him on the one show And then post-show, after their match, joining the Bullet Club. Uh, October 18th, we have TJP turning on the LA Dojo, turning his back on New Japan, and he's joined with the United Empire. He was Will Ospreay's secret tag team partner all along. And then finally, November 6th, 2021, Shibata's exhibition match, which, while it was a match, was unexpected and was quite the moment. Angle of the year.
1: Yeah, so we have a ton of great angles of the year. I don't think we need to go in-depth on them, but you did a great job kind of just naming them. And just a lot of great moments. Again, with New Japan Strong, we had a lot of great moments coming out of that product this year. The, the big uh, turn on Dickinson from Team Filthy. Uh, TJP turning on the LA Dojo to join the Empire uh see here. Uh, John Moxley invading on uh, New Japan Strong in the beginning of the year. There was a ton of great moments on Strong this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing is, you know, New Japan Strong being a weekly, episodic type of product, they were able to kind of do some more angles, more stories to kind of further what they were building, you know, taping after taping versus, like, you know, for the New Japan domestic product, it was a little bit harder. They tried to, but typically they could only have a big angle if it was going to play out maybe on the next immediate show because with the restrictions, with COVID and outbreaks and everything like that, you just never knew who was or wasn't going to be made available. And so we saw them doing more storylines in the early part of the first quarter of the year and then kind of abandoned that a little bit unless there was an immediate payoff. So, um, you know, kind of a, a good mix across the board. We also saw big returns you know, big surprises, defections, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, um, I'm going to be very interested to see what the general audience thought was the angle of the year.
1: Yeah. So then that moves us to our very last category here, the new story of the year for the the biggest news and, and events that happened in New Japan in the voting period. So our first nominee, Jay White's contract status. I'll see there, there was a lot of talk of whether he was going to WWE or not after Wrestle Kingdom that he was leaving. Then we have the Forbidden Door is open. New Japan finally working with AEW. They started working with MLW and Impact, other promotions other than just their core partners. We had the IWGP and IC titles being unified to form the world heavyweight title. We had the announcement of three Knights of Wrestle Kingdom for the 50th year anniversary. We had the strong open title being revealed. We have Marty Skrulls NJPW strong appearance being dropped. We had uh, COVID outbreaks in New Japan. We had the Gaijin with
0: with with the cancellations of the shows.
1: Yeah, the cancellations of Wrestle Grand Slam um, in May. We had the Gaijin unrest with you know you had Jay White and Finley and Juice and all these guys. Going back to the U.S. and not wanting to work the G1 or work in Japan for the remainder of the year,
0: and Osprey,
1: yeah, which kind of ties and,
0: and everything with that, <laughs> yeah, which which
1: ties into the next news story: Will Osprey vacating the world title due to neck injury? That kind of is also kind of part of the gadget unrest, but that was kind of a big enough news story on its own. Um, And Kota Ibushi, he suffered from aspiration pneumonia, and he had the the shoulder injury from the G1. Two kind of big news stories that. Kept the Bushi out for different periods throughout this year. Then we had the partnership talks between WWE and New Japan. The, the rumors that you know Nick Khan was trying to crack a deal there, and then the last nominee, New Japan of America, returning to live touring, uh, starting off with Resurgence, and then we had the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour a couple days later. And since then, they've been doing uh, live uh, TV tapings for New Japan Strong.
0: Okay, great. Um, There is a lot here. I mean, one of the things that's interesting about this year's news story of the year, um, not to say that there haven't been positive stories or uh, inspiring things that have been announced, but typically, typically, that's the majority of what our new stories of the years usually, you know, re- revolve around. Um, but this year, there seems to be a lot more tragic or unfortunate, mistimed sort of things, you know, um, Kota Bushi's ailments, um, all the negative press around the idea of WWE New Japan having partnership talks, and even though it didn't lead anywhere.
1: Right, just the idea the- that there was a potential – that could happen had a lot of negative uh backlash uh marty Skrull, you know the the reports of him being on on strong and they taped a segment that they eventually had to drop right
0: and then will osprey him having to vacate the title all the talk about um and the speculation as to what that meant for his future what that meant for his health what it meant for the title um <laughs> you know, everything like that. Right. Uh, the, the, the COVID outbreaks and the safety of the wrestlers and and all of that. I mean, there was a, a lot.
1: Even, even the three nights of Wrestle Kingdom had some backlash. You would think that would be a great announcement. People were just like, three nights. What the heck are they going to do for three nights? I'll see. Now we know that the that, that third night is New Japan versus Noah, but we didn't know that ahead of time. We're like, how the heck are they going to pull off three Tokyo Dome shows? Dude, even the
0: double titles getting finally merged into one belt and then the unveiling of that belt got a lot of backlash. I mean – and keep in mind, guys, we're not saying here – when we say backlash, like we're not saying this in the sense of you people had <laughs> a lot of negative things to say and we were on the right side. No, these are all things that we were critical of on this podcast as we covered them and maybe still are, you know, Um but yeah, like the the titles getting unified into one world title, right. the Gaijin unrest, with a uh, you know just and again some of this stuff, um, you might be listening to it and thinking like, well, how factual or unfactual is a lot of it? Well, you know, when you're working with a a foreign company like New Japan that plays things very close to the chest, there is some speculation as to uh, the validity of all these stories. But these were the news stories that broke, that people were talking about, that we were discussing. Other uh, you know, avenues were talking about them as well. And when you see the whole picture of how these, a lot of these things played hand-in-hand hand with one another as the year went on, it makes sense why people might view the product as being on a downtrend right now because look at how many of these news stories were uh, toxic or problematic.
1: right. And even with, like, the Forbidden Door being open, I think for most fans, that might be a positive, but there are, like, the die-hard Pure Elitists or die-hard New Japan fans who don't want any involvement with AEW at all and were disappointed that New Japan was starting to work with AEW.
0: Yeah, and a lot of speculation as to what it all meant. And as we've seen it play out, um, you know, there's a lot of criticism and a lot of... Uh, you know, just varying opinions as to what it is, what it will be, what it is, and everything like that. Um, some other stories that, that are here that are more positive New Japan returning to live touring, that was a big deal. It wasn't just that it was live touring, but like it was that you have full US crowds with no restrictions. So, a, a more of a, um, of a true live audience experience, which is really, really cool. Um <laughs> trying to see what other stories here the strong open weight title which I think we might have been a little bit critical of um, or at least uh skeptical about when it first was unveiled but has since become a standout feature of the New Japan Strong and US product
1: yeah um, uh, the, the Jay White story I mean there was a lot of just fan interest And buzz in Jay White And where he was going next you know he got the big Promo you know uh, Jay is going home You know Jay this is Jamie talking right now And there's a lot of rumors oh he, he's Going to show up at the Royal Rumble And there's just so much buzz on Like what the heck's Jay White going to do What's his contract status is he leaving is he coming what, what, Who knows what's happening and then Obviously finally he just kind of showed back up and Attacked Ishii and they kind of dropped the ball of that momentum, but there was, uh, in January, there was a ton of buzz and fan, like, you know, speculation on Jay White.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we're still getting varying reports as to what the truth is of that whole situation. Um, You know, there's some people saying he, he signed for two years, some people saying he signed for seven years. I feel like I've heard him go back and forth as to, you know, what he said in regards to Dave Meltzer's reports, and then recently what he said to uh Sean Ross Sapp, so it's kind of interesting how that whole thing played out. But, I mean, initially, like you mentioned, it was the hottest story and the hottest news story uh, in the industry for a period there. Right. Yeah, you had um,
1: several source news sources or sites that no- normally cover New Japan or New Japan news. Like, all of them were talking about Jay Wyden podcasts and reports were coming out about that.
0: Yeah. And then um, one other thing here uh, – Maybe negative initially, but then positive, and the final outcome was the Marty Scurll uh, appearance. You know, uh, in in light of the allegations and things that came—well, I shouldn't even say just allegations, but the things that came out regarding speaking out and how it related to Marty Scurll, Um, You know, New Japan did bring in Marty Scurll for a taping, and they, I believe, even taped a match between him and Rocky, and it was set to air. <laughs> (laughs) and there was a lot of buzz about the negativity and fan backlash and even talent backlash. And once management caught wind of it, they cut the whole entire thing out from new Japan strong entirely. And it never made tape. It never made air, but uh, it was something that was going to happen. It was a big news story. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then again, just hitting on it again, the forbidden door being opened, you know, it wasn't just AW, although a lot of it does surround AW, but we saw this company in varying different ways have ties to GCW, have ties to Bloodsport, have ties to Impact, have ties to Ring of Honor, have ties to MLW. Um, you know, even like you, we mentioned, talking to WWE, having negotiations with them. And then all the, the interactive work that was done between Strong and AW specifically around John Moxley, but we saw Kenta, Suzuki, Kojima, Archer, Nagata. Kojima, Nagata. There's a lot of interaction there. And uh, I think that has created an atmosphere with the change in management and the change in philosophy where now we're getting a Noah show. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, really cool. Um, I don't know which news story is going to dominate. There's a lot here, but uh, I'm excited to see what, the fans opinions were when it comes to the top stuff here.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I don't think that there's not one that really stands out. I think any one of these have uh validity to win this category. So we'll see how the voting goes, but guys that wraps up our coverage of the year
0: 2021 and the keeping it strong style annual year end awards. We put in a lot of work to compile this stuff. To navigate through it, to decide and determine who your candidates are going to be, to make this uh, document so you guys can put in your votes so we can count them and aggregate them and then you know, come up with the winners. And then once we do that, put out posts that are stylized, that have graphics, that award those winners, that make them aware – publicly to the world that they have been honored by you the NJPW fans. So, if that is worth anything to you guys, two things. Vote on these awards, share them out so that the word can get out so we can get more people involved. And the number two, send us a little a little sum sum, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is a lot of fucking work. It's one of the biggest projects that we undertake year year over year. I know there are other awards out there, there are other sites that do this stuff. I and I, uh, I'm glad for that too. I'm not even going to say shit to them. But I feel of any site, any group, any podcast, anyone that's out there doing awards, we put in more time, work, and effort um, to get this word spread out, to get, to get this stuff done fairly and honestly. And we hope that you guys really enjoy what we're doing and we hope you uh, support us in some way.
1: Yeah, please, yeah, go to redcirclesocialbuckscom uh, slash donate You can click on our uh, logo And uh, drop some uh, donations off If you feel led to And, you know, if you listen to this, the voting is Open, uh, the link will be in the description Of this episode, or you can go to Bit.ly slash KissAwards21 You can go on our Twitter, at K.I. StrongStyle in the New Japan Reddit uh, So vote, share this To everybody you know who watches New Japan, we want to get several uh, hundreds and hundreds of votes and beat last year's uh, record
0: we are uh, so thankful and um, you know just appreciative that you guys stick with us that you're listening that you're here that you're rocking with us we got an incredible post 2021 series of shows coming up we've got World coverage, uh, uh, coverage of the World Tag League and the Best of the Super Juniors. We've got, we're going into Dome season. We're gonna be covering all those shows. We got the award shows coming up. We've got, uh, Foh Draft coming up. Uh, all sorts of shit. And you know, I'm sure we'll be making our tours of the varying different uh, podcasts that are out there covering uh, Dome season. So, you know, there's a lot of exciting stuff. Coming up on the forefront. Plus there's a big new Japan show coming here in March and we got some special stuff, planned, uh, surprises, meetups, things for people to get involved. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us. Send in your vote, share your vote, send us a a donation on red circle, leave us a rating review. You're rocking with the fucking best. (laughs) You're rocking with real ones. You know, what's up, you know what it is. And, uh, I'm looking really I'm really looking forward to 2022 as we've got live audiences coming on deck. We've got interpromotional shows coming on deck. We got new stars coming in. We got US stars that are probably going to be coming to to Japan. We got first time matches on deck. You know, maybe we'll get back to a regular touring schedule. Like I'm I'm fucking excited. I'm stoked. These awards always get me hyped. Like this is it. New Japan's the fucking best, and we are
1: the best <laughs> podcast. Come the on, best. The best. The best. Uh yeah, but I'm really looking forward to 2022, especially with the potential of more interpromotional stuff in Japan. Pro like Noah, DT, Dragon Gate. We'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, really excited. Excited about the awards. And yeah, man, New Japan. Hopefully we'll get some live, uh, some fans that can cheer in Japan for these upcoming Wrestle Kingdom shows. And, man, we'll be, we'll be hitting the ball running here. And so that's going to wrap things up for us here. Get your vote out, and we will see you um, in a few days as we get ready to review the latest of World Tag League and Best uh, Super Junior. So subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next time on Keeping a Strong Style, the Ace of Podcast it she
0: bomb bitches thank
1: you for listening to keeping it strong style we'll see you next time